Hello, and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate trying to force myself to like games that I just don't like. And my name is Kyle, and today I hate my car. So the car situation... Uh-huh. That's something that needs to be expressed on the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, you had some... Let's call them car troubles. We almost didn't make it to an episode 55. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Think about if the Shea Hates podcast only ever made it to episode 54. Right. I crashed my car. Um, I was... Uh, my wife and I were on the way to a financial planning meeting, which is ironic. And uh, it had been raining... And it stopped raining, like, in the middle of the drive, and there's a road I wasn't familiar with. I was following her, and she was driving our new car. I'm driving my crummy old one. Well, it's not crummy, but it's falling apart. Um, and uh, there was a, a turn in the road, and I was going the speed limit. I was going 40 in a 40, and then it recommended 35 miles per hour when you slow down. So I was slowing down. I hit the brakes. I feel like I probably got to somewhere around 35. But I just hydroplaned hardcore on the curve. Um, and uh, I just started, like, fishtailing. I was trying to counter steer. It just was not working at all. And so I go off the road, narrowly missing a fire hydrant. And so, like, this fire hydrant has one of those large posts next to it. So mm-hmm. I take out the post, which is how close I was to the fire hydrant. Uh, and if I had T-boned that thing, it would have been the driver's side door, and it would have, like, mm-hmm. crumpled right onto me, which that would have really sucked. So, um, luckily, that didn't happen. And then, so the way the, the road is structured, there's it's a curve, and before and after the curve, there are trees, like, right next to the road. And then on the curve, on my side of the road, there's a hill. Uh, so the trees kind of sweep out and away from the road and up and over the hill and then kind of go back closer to the road, which is, that's literally precisely the path that my car took so if the trees didn't go up the hill they just continued to line the road i would have been in the trees and like yeah hitting a trunk or something so i was trying to counter steer wasn't working i went off the road uh i went up the hill which was really steep and it tore my bumper off uh, my front bumper and then i spun and did a full 360 in the wet grass and then came back out onto the road going the right way Mm um it's like it it sounds like infantile to uh, put it in these terms, but it felt like in a video game when you spin out and you wind up going the same direction with all your momentum. And right. like you're, you're just like, that was lucky. That was awesome. I feel like a stunt driver. Uh, Slightly I less like, awesome when it's real life. Yeah, I didn't feel like a stunt driver, but it's cool when I tell the story to be able to sure. say that. Yeah. Uh, in the moment, so all my friends were like, were you scared? Whatever. In the moment. My wife was terrified because she saw it happening in the rear view sure. mirror and like she was freaking out. But me, my my cynical ass reaction in the moment was this is going to cost me a lot of fucking money yep. while it was happening. That was my reaction. And so what yep. I do, I grip the steering wheel really hard. I brace for impact and I just go, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my whole reaction. No, like, Oh shit. Or, Oh no. It's like, God damn it. <laughs> that is not dissimilar to when I broke my hand playing destiny. Yeah. Ironically enough. And I was playing the multiplayer, and I just got really pissed off because some dude with a shotgun kept, like, spawn killing me, and it was bullshit. And so I went to punch the pillow on my couch, 
and instead punched through the pillow into the arm of the couch, yeah. which is solid wood, and my hand shattered. And the initial reaction was not, oh, fuck, I broke my hand, this hurts. It was, oh, fuck, this is going to be expensive. Yeah. <laughs> that was my exact reaction. Because I didn't have health insurance at the time, and I, was, I wasn't I was working. So I was that was a big panic mode, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like, something... Uh... I, I feel like people with means uh, take for granted uh, is the ability to put other things besides money first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, it is so, like, part and parcel with my daily who I am life that in the moment of my possible demise, that's all I can think about is, right. is money, <laughs> <laughs> which is really something. So, uh, my our, our father... Uh, who art on earth. Uh, he's coming over today uh, to help me kind of fix the car. I brought it into a body shop, and what they wanted to do to like, replace the whole like front-end stuff, they wanted like $1,400, which, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> no. So <laughs> I bought the parts online that I believe I need, and he's coming over today, and we're going to work on it and see if we can't get it drivable because it's drivable still i need to get the suspension checked because i had suspension problems to begin with but um and i'm sure that did not help going off road like that at high speed so um i need to get that checked but really the most of it like the turn signal assembly is just gone i couldn't find it it's just gone the passenger side turn signal uh, and then my whole front bumper cover came off but i recovered it and i have since gorilla glued it and duct taped it together and so I did that last night. So I'm going to go take the duct tape off and see if the Gorilla Glue held. Because um, nice. I was able to fit it back on. The actual bumper reinforcement, which is the metal bumper, that is a little bent. Um, I can get a new one of those if I have to. But it would just be like an extra 60 bucks that I don't want to spend. Um, so I'm going to try and just get the bumper cover back on the existing bumper. Problem is, the way it's bent, it might keep me from putting in the new turn signal assembly properly. Um so I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I only had to spend like 110 bucks so far on stuff, as opposed to 1400. So well, yeah. Feel, Assuming feel that you that. can fix it, then that yeah. is much cheaper. I'm also, <laughs> if it doesn't work, then. yeah. I'm also not putting the fog lights back in because um, that was going to be like an extra 150 bucks just to put mm-hmm. the fog lights in. And I've never used the fog lights. I've only mm-hmm. ever used my brights, and I've owned the car for like nine years. Um, so I was like, why spend 150 on something I won't use? And I'm not going to be reselling this car anymore. Sure. Uh, it'll be just, uh, sold for scrap basically at the time, or maybe traded in for like a couple hundred bucks when I go to buy a new car in a couple of years, hopefully would like to get another couple of years out of it. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that was my, that was my eventful, eventful week. I was trying to get out of a bunch of chores and stuff around the house by telling my wife I almost died. Mm. Uh, recently, but uh, that uh, that only works no for dice. Like a day, right? Yeah. <laughs> when when you are fine, it is hard to like. If you would have gotten hurt, then great. I should know, that would have been like, yeah, that would have been kind of optimal outcome. Is like just like a light injury, you know? right? Not like breaking your leg or anything, but like bumps and bruises or a strained neck or something where you can wear one of those little like foam neck braces <laughs> things. Yeah, that would have been optimal outcome of that accident (laughs) (laughs) right i don't know i feel like currently this was optimal outcome (laughs) of course yes yeah but uh 
They did. They cited me for failure to control $140 ticket. That That is so Which, all right, insane to my, me. I don't have an issue with paying the money because I knocked out one of their posts. Like, someone's got to pay for the sure. post, right? So Fair you got to charge me something. The failure to control part is bullshit. Yeah. Because, right. so, my tie rod on my car was broken, and I got it fixed, like, half a year ago. And my car has never handled the same since I got it fixed, because when they, f- quote-unquote, fixed it, smear quotes, um, the tops of my tires lean in now. And so my tires are bowed mm. permanently. Mm-hmm. Uh, b- they said that was the best they could do, is, is what the guy told me. I was like, all right, here's the money. Thanks. <laughs> Um, and my car's never handled the same. Like, all through the winter, I was slipping and sliding in a way that I have not been in the past. So I think because the tires are bowed in a little bit like that, I have significantly reduced traction on the road and am more likely to uh, slip and slide, so to speak. So right. I just need to be more cognizant of that and take it a little slower in inclement weather. Um, and, and yeah. But, like, because I've been driving my car for nine years, I know how it handles. It should have been fine on that turn. It just was not um, at all. So yeah, it just it, didn't, it didn't feel like it should have uh, fishtailed like that and hydroplane. So, but whatever. Yeah, I'm fine. Gonna hopefully fix that today. We'll see. Good. Yeah, my car um, dies randomly when I'm driving. Oh, and I think a lot of it's because of the heat, but it, it's idling really rough, and it'll like kind of spike in RPMs, mm. and it'll get down to like five, six hundred at rest. Um, yeah, not, it's not good. I brought it into my mechanic and he was like, I look like after it died the first time I brought it into him the next day. Cause it started right back up and I brought it into him the next day. And he was like, I looked at the, um, computer of that tracks all the issues and there wasn't anything there. Shrug. And I was like, okay, thanks what? dude. So I brought it to a different mechanic that was recommended by my father-in-law, but they don't like do a lot of that kind of stuff. It's mostly like oil changes and tire rotations yeah. and stuff. They don't do a lot of the more hardcore stuff. But so I, that I, you know, it was their like super expert technician that looked at it and they had it for like a day. And he called me and it was like, you know, I explained that my mechanic that I always take my car to, he didn't find anything, but it's a German car and he's he doesn't specialize in German cars. And this guy was supposed to be better about that. He's like, yeah, you know. Volkswagens have issues with X and Y and Z. It doesn't seem like any of those is what's causing the problem. I'm really sorry. I don't know what it is. He didn't charge me, which was nice of him. That is he nice. Took all the time. But he was like, if it dies again, bring it in. Like, don't start it. Get it towed here. And I'm like, okay. My problem is, like, I work over an hour away. Right. I'm not going to get my car towed, like, at 6 p.m. And then, like, I won't have a car the next day. Like, that won't really work for me. And since then, this was probably a month ago, it's died like five or six more times on the way home. Just like when I'm sitting, like, because there's a lot of traffic, obviously, when I'm driving home. And I'm sitting at a red light or in traffic just idling. And it'll just, like, the RPMs will kind of spike and then it sputters out and dies. That's and not I can, good. You know, no, it's not good at all. But I don't know what to do about it anymore because I've taken it to two places and they have no idea what the problem is. And so I'm like, what? like, what am I supposed to do now? So... It there, hasn't is there died. a VW dealership near you or anywhere close um, by? I'm sure there is. I'm just very against taking it to a place like that because I know they're going to fuck me. Well, yeah, they're expensive, but they might be some of the only people that would know the actual cause of it. Yeah, maybe. But it hasn't died in the last like week and a half. 
So I'm hoping that it was a minor thing that will go away. I I feel like that's probably wishful thinking. That's never. <laughs> the problems with cars don't just go away. Unless but the problem I'm, is that's... a clunk and the going away is because it fell off. But that's how I'm going to treat it, and then maybe it'll be true. <laughs> if you don't think about a problem, it goes away. Well, yeah, that's how that Schrodinger's works. problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, car problems. They're super fun. Um, but uh, I So I mentioned how I hate trying to force myself to like games I don't like, and then I mentioned how I broke my hand playing Destiny. Yeah. I've been playing Destiny 2. Oh, no. I picked it back up. Uh, I bought the annual pass during the, like, E3 sale, I think, and then hadn't touched it, and there was just a random day where I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, let me, let me, let me put this in, my PS4, just, yeah. let's just, let's just see, and, uh, I've played it twice since then, so I'm, like, still playing it, but, uh, I'm not having that much fun doing it. <laughs> When I loaded back in, there I was so overwhelmed with stuff. Because, like, the last time I had played it was after Forsaken came out. You and I <clears throat> were playing through the single player, or the, the story mode. And we got probably two-thirds through it, and then yeah. just totally fell off. Uh, and so I hadn't experienced any of the Forsaken endgame, nor any of the new shit. Like, all the annual pass stuff, the Black Armory, blah, blah, blah. Like, all the new endgame crap they've done. So once I loaded it up, it was like... Menu screen, menu screen, menu screen, menu screen of like six months worth of new content that I hadn't seen, which was kind of annoying and very overwhelming. I feel like there was a better way for them to do that. But I was like, okay, the first thing I need to do is just finish Forsaken. So I finished that. It's pretty mediocre. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I kind of lost the threat. Like I was yeah. like, yeah, I know Cade 6 was dead and I'm chasing down the bad Awoken dude. But that's kind of all I knew. And then the final boss, you fight this big spaghetti monster looking thing that floats okay and it was it was pretty stupid and then so that ended and then i went back to the tower and a bunch of new menu screens of like hey talk to zavala talk to akora talk to all these other people to get new quests and shit so i did all that and then i realized that there were too many quests for me to try to do and the little quest menu screen is not helpful because it's like hey here's this here, the quest is like Awoken Whisper, and then the description of the quest is Complete the Whisper. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is, so let me track that quest and see if it gives me like a planet I need to go to or an area. It doesn't. So then I googled it, and it's the quest that I was looking at was that that like secret hidden quest to get that whisper sniper rifle. Oh, that was right. a big thing when we yeah, were playing it only in Destiny pops Two up during like uh, public yeah. events or something. And so I was like wasting my time running around IO trying to find the whisper, and it was this thing. So I'm like, okay, well I'm not going to do that because I need a fire team. Blah blah blah. So then I just played some strikes and I got like really quick because I was like love. I was like. 400 light or something in Forsaken and it really quickly bumped me up to 500 and then I was getting drops of 690 gear which I think is the soft level cap right now but I couldn't use them because it requires level level 50 Gotcha. and I was only like level 47 so I just did some strikes and dicked around until I got to level 50 which I did I was doing this yesterday for a bit and so I got to level 50 and now I can use my 690 gear 
And so I'm sure I'm going to get a bunch of other 690 drops. But, like, I've been doing quests and doing, like, things that apparently are very old because they're dropping, like, 373 gear. And I'm like, okay, so I just wasted my time doing this quest. I feel like whenever they release a big new thing that expands the light level, they should update the old stuff to still give you new light level gear. Like, there's yeah. literally no reason for me to have done that quest then. Yeah. So it's just like, I feel, I, like, it makes me feel like I've wasted my time. But I'm very overwhelmed with with the different things I can do. It is not clear at all what I am supposed to be doing for the vast majority of things. Because I am not 690 yet, or 600 even, I think I'm like 520 because I have a couple things of 690 gear. I'm coming across random enemies in the wild that are like 630 light level. And so they kill me in one hit, which is also not fun because I'm just like trying to explore and I'm trying to play the game. And then a random dude one shots me. And so I can't go to that area anymore. So it, it's it's not very returning player friendly at the moment. Yeah, that's a problem with a lot of service based games. Yeah, I think that Shadowkeep will probably fix that because I'm sure in the beginning of that, it'll automatically update you. Like it'll automatically give you all the shit you need to catch up light level wise. And so I'm like, you know, I'm jumping in probably at the wrong time. But, uh, yeah, I've also been having a lot of technical issues, which is not okay for a game that's been out for this long. Um, that is a live service game. Just menus take forever, every single time. Way worse than it ever used to be. Huh. Like, when I, when I press pause, it takes five, six seconds for my inventory to pop up. And then when I try to change the screen, it takes two to three seconds for that screen to load. When I try to go to the director, it takes sometimes to like 10 seconds for the big map to load. And because you can't pause it, that matters. Yeah. Especially like if I'm in the middle of a strike and I want to change out my new gun in a fight, I cannot do that because I will die before my inventory screen populates. Right. That's ridiculous. It, n- it never used to be a problem. PC Master Race. Loading times are insanely bad. Those have always been really, really bad. It takes minutes. Like, each time I've loaded up the game, it takes minutes of sitting at the, like, main screen, loading, whatever. And it's not downloading anything. It's just loading up the game. Minutes. And I know, like, this is very first world problems thing to complain about. Like, this is how advanced we are in video games. But you have very limited time in which to play games now. But it's also like, like, other games don't have this problem. And if other games don't have this problem, this game should also not have this problem. Like, with the power of our current technology, minute, like, several minute long loading screens is completely unacceptable nowadays. So, yeah. Not really having that much fun. The strikes, they were fun. I played one of the strikes that was new, I guess. And it was pretty cool. It was, like, multidimensional, mostly fighting Taken enemies. There was, like, a witch that we fought that we were actually trying to save. But it really just, like, you just beat her and then you save her. There was no, like, special mechanic around not doing damage to her or anything, which would have been more interesting. Yeah. But it was a fun new quest. And then I played the one from Forsaken with the big worm, which is a bad strike. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I'll probably play it a little bit more, but I'm not planning on getting Shadow Keep. I'll see what the reaction is, and it's it's going to be tough because I know you you are not interested in picking it back up on PlayStation because you will now get it on Stadia. Yeah, I have it for free on. Well, so that's like free. 
without having anyone to play it with. And I have a you know a guy I work with that's hardcore into Destiny, and he's like trying to get me into it. And he's like, hey, you know, we'll we'll run you through raids, we'll do whatever to get you caught up, blah blah blah. But I I'm just it's just my personality. I'm not looking to get a group of a bunch of dudes I don't know and hang out with them regularly. Well, you can play it with me on Stadia. I thought it only played with other Stadia people. Well, right, but like with my founders thing, I get like a free 3-month pass I can give to someone for Stadia Pro. So right. you and I would both have Destiny for 3 months. You just wouldn't have the controller. You'd have like your Xbox controller or your PS4 controller plugged into your PC and just playing yeah. it through the browser. Maybe we shall see. I don't know that I'm interested in starting a new character. <laughs> Taking that on as you well. You can import. They said you're you're able to oh, do okay. a, like a one-time character import into Stadia. They said mm. they're not sure if they'll be if you'll be able to export out of Stadia or not, but you can import existing characters into Stadia. Oh, I gotcha. It's not like cross save. Right. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Well, but I, I I also don't know if then you would lose that character on PS4 or if it's just kind of yeah, copying that's I, the profile info. Yeah, I would think that's it's I, I wouldn't think it's going to delete your character, but the progression won't carry over. So right. like if I import my character and do a bunch of shit in Stadia, I will not have done that on my PS4 character, which that takes away a lot of the point. Yeah. I don't know. More more than likely, I will stop playing Destiny 2 by the time we do the next podcast. Yeah. So probably I'll moot. Um Beyond that, I just I've been continuing to play uh, little bits of New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, and I am discovering as I get farther in that game that I'm not good at 2D Mario games anymore because I'm like <laughs> struggling on a lot of levels. Just like the 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 mechanics and particularly the platforming side of it, I just don't have a feel for it the way that I did when I was a kid because it's been a, like it's been years and years since I've played a 2D Mario game. And I'm just, I'm, I'm sucking at it and it is frustrating. I feel like I'm not able to execute like the childhood version of Shay was able to execute. Yeah. I, but that like, game's still super cute. Through playing Mario Maker, I've gotten yeah. like some of those chops back. Right. But, and uh, I'm sure if I was devoting more time, like more consistent time, it would be better. But like I'm playing a level once a week basically. And right. so that's like, you know, I'm not going to get any skills back by playing it that infrequently. So that's kind of all I've been playing, you know, just some diving back into destiny two in the, the very short term. I fell off Skyrim for some reason, like super hard. It happens. Yeah. I'm it, sure I'll find my way back Skyrim to Skyrim ebbs and flows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you? Um, I, so I think I mentioned in the last podcast that I picked up, they are billions, but I hadn't played mm-hmm. it yet. Um, I have since started that game and I've played quite a bit of it. I'm playing the campaign because the big draw of that game is just like the free sandbox mode where you have access to all of the upgrade tiers of everything and you are just put onto this map and you have to build it up and survive for as long as you can against the different uh, infected hordes. Um, the campaign is like very uh, light on story, but it basically has an overworld map that you're working your way through. So you, at any given time, you have a few different options of missions to do, um, and they even have some uh, like hero quote unquote based missions. There are basically three types of missions on um, in, in the campaign. There's the the basic setup where you only have 
uh, access to, because as you complete levels, you get this currency, and you can spend the currency on uh, an upgrade uh, map to unlock new and better improvements for stuff, uh, which you can then use in the levels going forward. So there are the basic maps that are like that, where you start with a command center and a few troops, and you just kind of have to build from there, and you have some sort of objective you have to get. Maybe it's colony has to be 800 people, or you just have to defeat all of the infected in the area, or you need a gold production of 2,000, uh, stuff like that. So there are different objectives, and the maps are kind of built around... Um, accomplishing those objectives uh in in fun ways so there's those and then there's hero missions where at the start of the campaign you pick a hero you want to play as um and uh during those missions you're just the hero and you're going through like some facility trying to find an artifact or something uh and that's like so it's just you against groups of infected sometimes mm -hmm. you find allied troops there that you can join uh forces with and uh face them off as a group but it's a little more like diablo-esque uh dungeon crawly uh uh which is like a nice break from the regular maps and then there's a third type which is in between the levels sometimes there are hordes that you have to get rid of so you'll have like a um like a outpost tower and then through completing missions you're unlocking like extra troops like, well, it's really a currency, um, so you can, um, uh, so let, let, let's say at the start of the campaign, I beat one level and then there's a horde and I only have 200 of this currency. Well, 200 of that currency is probably not enough to buy me enough troops to beat the horde, so I go play some other levels and I come back with 800 currency. Now I can buy more troops and more defenses to fight this horde. Um, okay. And so it's kind of like a pool that is always increasing in size, um which the hordes are always also increasing in size as you get further into the campaign. So you're kind of like, I'm always like saving those for last because the more missions I complete, the more troops and stuff I can place, the more room for error that I have to not lose. I have not lost a map yet. Um, I've probably played somewhere in the vein of like 13 missions between the three mm. types. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's really, really good. It's an RTS. It's one of those where you are picking stuff and placing things and upgrading them later and everything needs certain types of resources that you're getting from the environment it's my favorite part of age of empires which is like sure. building up your base making yeah. a huge army and then sending that army out uh, yeah. that was always my favorite part of age of empires and that's what pretty much this game is almost entirely but it's really exhausting because you just start with that command center and you're like having to slowly expand because you need more space. And then it's like, oh, well, I need to expand this direction to get this kind of a resource so that I can make walls so that I can reinforce for the horde that's coming in a few days. And then only after that horde comes, then I can expand in this direction. And it's just like it's a game of inches. Like hmm. you're gaining inches slowly over the course of time. Um, and it's it is exhausting. Um, it's a lot of fun, but it really wears me down. Uh, I can only play like a map or two at a time. And then I'm like, I, I got to step away. Cause that was really stressful. Uh, yeah. because I'd be mean, like, you, you never really know where the hordes are going to come from. Like they'll give you like 12 hours beforehand. They'll say a horde coming from the North. Well, 
could come from a couple different places in the north. I'm not entirely sure which way the horde's going to break on the geometry of the map. So mm -hmm. I just kind of have to, like, try and reinforce all these different areas. And sometimes, like, a horde will come from the north, but also some will come from other directions. So you don't want to leave all your stuff exposed, sending all your troops up north. So it's really... There's a lot to think about with that game. Um, but, like I said, I haven't lost yet. I'm playing on easy because mm. I've heard that game is extremely hard. And there have okay. been times where, like, they almost got through a wall. Like, they broke through my last defense, and it's just yeah. my group of guys, like, firing arrows at them. And they <laughs> just managed to kill them before they were overrun. That's happened a couple times. So I'm glad I'm playing on easy because, <laughs> like, the maps also take, like, an hour sometimes an hour and a half wow uh, to play the whole map so it's like if you were to lose sure like losing an hour and a half of pro like yes you learned a lot about the map and like where they're going to come from and stuff but but that's a that's a big time commitment yeah. to have not gained anything right um nothing like tangible um so yeah is that is that pc only i uh they're working on a console port i think it's not okay. out yet though um but I think they announced that it's supposed to be coming to console. Mm. Is that true? They are billions. Console. Uh, yes, there's a teaser for the PS4 version on June 6th. Uh, oh, it said it was supposed to come to PS4 this July. So is it out now? Because I'm not, like, though that style of game is not super my jam, but it's mostly just because I've never spent a lot of time with one. But I've heard really good things about it from a lot of folks. So I'd at least be curious in checking it out. Hmm. Yeah, it, they just said it was supposed to come in July. I'm not seeing a date. And it hasn't. <laughs> Wait. They are billions on PS4. Official PlayStation Store. It is available. Yeah, it came out July okay. 9th. Nice. Yeah, it is 25 Daru. Cool. So, so people can go check that out. Yeah. Um, I also, so my friend and I, we played uh, Return of the Oberdin together. Um, yes. So we like playing games that are inherently like single player, just like next to each other, kind of trying to figure it out like a puzzle-like games. Mm -hmm. um, and we kind of heard that Outer Wilds was similar. Uh, so I Outer Wilds was free on the Epic Store for a little bit, so I had picked it up then, uh, and I just had it on my computer waiting to start it. Um, and so he came over one day and we played quite a bit of it. That game is fascinating. Uh, there's a lot of really weird, crazy stuff going on. Um, basically, what seems like is happening is uh, mild spoilers for Outer Wilds. Um, what seems like is happening, like, we played for about 24, 25 minutes, and then, like, the screen went black, and then we, like, woke back up at the beginning of the game. I was like, what the heck hmm. happened? And then it happened again, like, another 23, 25 minutes later. Uh, and then we're like, okay, we got to figure out, like, why, like, is the universe exploding or something? And we're, like, going back in time? Like, what's happening? So we got in our spaceship, and, like, we looked at this. I noticed that there was this comet that was coming through on the okay. uh, on the galaxy map. I was like, I wonder if we should like follow that comet and see what happens. Sure enough, that thing flies into the sun and the sun goes supernova and destroys the entire like galaxy. So uh, we are like kind of trying to figure out like then there's all this mystery of this race that came before and they're um, like you have this thing that can translate their 
text, which is like a new invention for your people. Um, and you're kind of flying to all these little bite-sized worlds around mm-hmm. this galaxy um, and just kind of unlocking uh, new mysteries and stuff. Like I found like a, a an alien space station that was orbiting a planet that was like a pro oh, like a deep space probe launcher um, mm-hmm. and like figuring out how their tech works. Like I found this tablet on the floor. I could put the tablet in this like thing that had like a uh, wall next to it and like this text would start to appear on the wall and I could translate it and read it but I could also take that thing and put it in this pedestal in the middle of, like this empty pool on the floor and then the pool like filled with this weird like mercury stuff and then I was seeing another area and like so it took me a while to Cody and I a while to kind of figure out okay like what's actually going on here um, yeah. like what am I seeing how are these like tied to these other areas how do you actually like translate and read this text and all this other stuff so it really really fascinating um and like the the every world is so different like there's one world that's entirely water but there and there are little floating islands but it's there are tornadoes that will come and they'll grab the island and toss it up into the atmosphere (laughs) and then the island will drop back down so if you're Mm -hmm. on the island when it happens like you're at the mercy of (laughs) like wherever this island goes and you could get tossed wherever and like sometimes your ship gets tossed uh and then you have to like try and find your ship again stuff like that uh and like there uh, there's just every planet has a big mystery like that planet like there's this alien uh there's an island that moves around the planet really fast and there it's part of an alien installation and it was one of the ones that i saw through this like looking glass mirror pool thing uh and i I finally found my way onto it and like explored it and got like a few more answers but really just more questions uh and then like the tornado tossed us up and so like i in atmosphere because it was zero g for like 10 seconds before it plummeted back down again i like managed to just get into my ship and then take off from my ship as the thing fell so my ship wouldn't crash um and then like i went down into the water and there's like there's only so far i could go and there's like this like almost bubble of water that's like a strong current that's like keeping us from going any further into the planet's core but I found a tablet in another planet that was showing me inside of that bubble. And it's like an installation. So like, I want to get there somehow. I got to figure out Mm. how to get through that barrier somehow. Uh, there's just like, there's a lot to keep track of. Yeah. It seems very open ended. Yeah. Oh, it's completely open. Uh, but the game has some ways like we found. So there's a big mechanic in the game about, um, quantum stuff, how it's, um, it's there when you're observing it, and then, like, if you look away, it's now in a different place. Um, mm. So, like, there are some puzzles around that. But mm-hmm. while we were watching the comet fly into the sun, we saw, like, I saw this, like, moon that was, like, mostly black. Just, like, the tiniest little, like, uh, moonlight shine on it uh, that was orbiting around a planet. And I was like, that's not showing up on the galaxy map. Like, I looked up, tried to look up what that moon was, and it didn't show up anywhere on the map. And then when I closed the map, it was gone. Mm. And I was like, wait, is this a thing? Like, I have to keep this thing in view? And you have, Mm -hmm. like, a camera that you can use. So, like, that's one of the puzzle things is you take a picture of something, so it's always in view. And then even if you look away from it, since you can still see it in the picture, it's still there. So, like, we took a picture of the planet. um, And then... 
like, or this orbiting thing and, like, flew into it and it was fucking wild and there's all this crazy <laughs> stuff. But it was like, hey, there are, like, these, this mural on the wall and only one of the murals has been drawn on. The other two have not been drawn on yet. I'm like, oh, we found this early. Like, we're mm. supposed to go do these other things in these other locations and then find this thing again. Which sounds like it'll be a real pain in the ass since <laughs> we can't see it most of the time. Yeah. Um, so it, yeah, just really, really fascinating stuff. Um, and so it resets like every twenty five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, it's super quick to just hop back in your space uh, uh, spaceship and kind of mm-hmm. fly to the next location. Um, I did run into a situation where Cody and I were almost all of the way through one of these installations, and it ended. Uh, and then we had to like, it was really hard. It was in that water planet. There's a giant cyclone that you can't fly through. So I figured out you have to like go up into the atmosphere and then go down into it. But mm-hmm. from the atmosphere, you can't see what's going on in the planet cause it's all clouds. So I like kind of had to really kind of like guess and I just barely right. made it in. Um, but there was this big spire in there that you had to like climb and it's where it teaches you all the quantum stuff, um, where it kind of tutorializes it for you. Um, and we were, like, part of the way through it when it ended. So I had to, like, find it again and get in there and go through all the levels again and then finally make it all the way through. Um, but, yeah, it's a very interesting setup. Um, it seems awesome. Like, it, it, has, really cool. it has legit Game of the Year buzz around it. And it bums me out that it's only on PC and Xbox One. But it, it's all it is. I think it's free on Game Pass on Xbox. So. Yeah. I have considered buying an Xbox so that I can get Game Pass and play this game. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are, it's like they, they found just enough systems um, yeah. to have it. Like, it's not too little, not too many, enough to keep you engaged and enough that you feel like you have a handle on everything um, in a way that isn't like distracting you from solving the mysteries, but is still making the gameplay interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that has, that was. Very good while we were playing it. We're not done with it yet. Right. Um, but I feel like we're getting pretty close. Um, cool. And I picked up Wolfenstein Youngblood. Uh, yes. A couple days ago. And have been playing that. That game really surprised me in its structure. I didn't expect it to be formatted the way it was. Um, I in thought it was way? like a linear co-op romp. Like going right. through a story but it's completely open. Like you start and it kind of railroads you a little bit, but then mm-hmm. you have a hub base and like you're launching different missions. Like you're going to different oh, areas to do different missions. Yeah. Um, so, which is good and bad. It's good in that you kind of really end up learning the areas and it gives you multiple chances to like look for all the hidden stuff. Cause the game's packed with like hidden things and the way it's, uh, the way the upgrades are set up, like, you get sil- you loot silver coins from the environment and then can upgrade your weapons with those coins and then you're leveling up your character and spending skill points uh, mm-hmm. increasing like powers and, and other abilities and stuff so by re by uh, revisiting areas you're able to find a lot more of the hidden crates and some of the crates are hidden behind like it's very metroidy where they're like hey you need like this type of a weapon to open this crate or, or sure. this door or like you need this ability to crash through here, and you picked the in, like the stealth ability, so you don't have it uh, at the start. Um, 
So uh, there, there are some Metroid-like aspects uh, to the game where you're returning to areas and like, oh, right, yeah, there was that crate here, and you're picking up floppy disks that you're uh, uh, decoding at these terminals that also are giving you, like, hints on where things are so you can, like, look back in your journal and be like, oh, right, yeah, I haven't gotten that one yet and that one. But it's still not ideal um, the way that uh, what they give you to track that stuff, but it's fine. Um but there are a lot of missions that like there's a ton of side missions too which as a completionist I'm trying to play all the side missions <laughs> but then and like they also have missions tiered for like it's like uh, your level like basically you at the mission screen you're like oh this is level 20 level I'm only level 12 I can't do that yet so the missions that you can do don't have a level displayed um the missions that you're already leveled for which now is like every mission because I'm okay. like level 28 or 29 now. Um, so like, I guess that's just a way of in the early game kind of gating you or like just to show you how certain things scale in difficulty, I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot to do and it's, it's a lot of returning to the same areas to get to a new part of that area, which now that I've been playing it for like nine hours is really wearing thin. Like, mm. I don't want to have to run through the same areas populated yeah. with the same enemies again. Uh, I just like, just take me to the new stuff. Um, so like, that's a little frustrating. I wish I could just like their, their areas aren't massive, but sometimes like where it spawns you in, in a particular section of the city um, uh, is like a solid, three minutes away from where you want to be and on that three minute trek it's possible to like get into an altercation with a group of enemies the alarm goes off and then they just like keep coming and keep coming mm -hmm. and like like that sucks and it is annoying mm -hmm. um, and yeah you get XP for killing the Nazis and you get coins for killing the Nazis but it's like that's what I'm going to do when I get to the new place, like I know I'm just there to kill more Nazis. So it's like, <laughs> I'm okay with not killing them on the way. Like, right. But I don't know. A as you level up your stealth, like you get better stealth abilities and stuff. So maybe I'll feel a little better once I hit, I think it's level 30. I can unlock the final stealth ability, which is because you have a cloak basically where you turn invisible and it only lasts for a few seconds, and it has to recharge. And then your first upgrade is, hey, it lasts a little longer. Uh, and then the second one, or no, the first one is, hey, you can, like, now jump and sprint and do all this movement without losing cloak. And then the second one is it lasts a little longer. And then the third one is, if you stop moving while you're cloaked, it will recharge. So you mm. won't ever have to, like, leave cloak if you're only moving a certain amount um, uh, at a time. So I'm excited about that because then I'll be able to get through areas without having to fight people because I'm just I'm sick of fighting like the same groups of enemies in the same areas right. over and over again. Yes, definitely. So that's the next big upgrade that I'm looking forward to. But um, it's also it is a game of it feels like there are two very separate tones that exist in the game, which I guess is true of the other Wolfenstein stuff. Like it's very it has moments where it's very self-serious and then it's like, I, I don't know, like shooting a Nazi so that their blood like makes a pattern on the wall. Um, <laughs> and in, the, in this one, it kind of leans more heavily into the ladder. Like 
every time you take an elevator, there's a camera feed of the elevator, and it kind of, like, pulls back and shows the two sisters, and, like, mm-hmm. they're doing some weird, like, stupid kid messing with each other thing. Like, right. one, like one time they're doing the, like, the over-under-the-hand slap thing, mm-hmm. uh, and then the other one is, like, she's, like, mimicking her sister, and, they, and so that, like, really annoys her, and they start, like, pushing each other and stuff. And so it's, like, it's this really funny, like... They're murdering the hell out of these sure. people, and then they get in an elevator, and they're like acting like twelve-year-olds, yeah, um, which is kind of funny. Uh, and like the first time they kill a Nazi is in a cutscene, and that uh, that's a hell of a moment. <laughs> they do some really funny stuff because like they're basically the setup for the game is that BJ's missing. Yeah, uh, and he didn't tell anyone where he was going because he's BJ, uh, and so his daughters take it upon themselves to go find their father, uh, and so that's kind of like what you're doing is like discovering. You find at this room in his attic where he has this pin board with all the stuff up, uh, and you're like, ah, this is where he went. We got to find this mysterious Lab X, and so you're on a journey to figure out what this Lab X is, uh, and then I have a feeling that where it ends is going to be a pretty good indicator of what Wolfenstein 3 is going to have uh, in sure. store. I think Mecha Hitler cuz we have not be. had Mecha Hitler yet. Yeah. We had we had Giant Robot, but it mm-hmm. wasn't Mecha Hitler. And now like Hitler's dead as of the end of the second one. So, I'm thinking Hitler's brain in a robot, Mecha Hitler. I'm yeah. thinking that's what Lab X is, is bringing back the Führer the, Makes sense. The Fury Fuhrer. That's something that people were clamoring for in Wolfenstein 2, just right. because it's such an iconic thing from the original games that yeah. they have to do some sort of take on that eventually. Yeah. I think they're I think they were withholding it. Uh I, I think the end of Youngblood is gonna be some kind of a tease for Mecha Hitler. Sure. Yeah. That would make sense. But yeah, that's most of what I've been playing. Minecraft so what about- like mod packs and stuff, but whatever. What about the co-op in Youngblood? Have you done any of that? No, I've just been playing just, by myself. It, but it always AI. has the AI companion. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I mean, she reses me most of the time. Mm-hmm. There were a couple times where I went down and she just kept shooting enemies. <laughs> and I was like, hey, come on. No, get, no, me, get me, me. Yeah. And she was just like shooting away. But you, you have, like, no, I'm good. You have three lives. Um, Oh, okay. That you can like find crates and get get a life back. So like you can always travel back to the hub, uh, the catacombs, and get another life back. Uh, so it's it's really not that big a deal. Uh, Is there it, any difference between the two characters? Um, not mechanically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more just like um, attitude, I guess. Mm. But yeah, and there's all sorts of cosmetic stuff you can do too, like different types of. Like, different colors of suits, different helmets for the suits, um, skins on weapons, and there's all that kind of stuff, so. Um, that I think you're also unlocking with the silver coins. But, yeah. Sounds good. Sounds like, for folks that have enjoyed the other Wolfenstein games, this is worth checking out. I fell off pretty hard on the first Wolfenstein, and haven't ever... Like, I own... I think on a sale, I bought... The first Wolfenstein and the Old Blood. Yeah, was that the little DLC thing? Yeah, that was the zombie. And then I, th- I might even own Wolfenstein Two from a sale. Okay, that I was just like, yeah, sure. It was like ten dollars. New order. So I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, 
but I just, I don't know. The, I enjoyed the first game up until you got to the play, the time where you're like escorting the car through all the checkpoints. Okay. And something about that, just like the structure of it, I got really bored and then just stopped playing it. Huh. But I enjoyed the shooting of it was obviously super solid. And I know the story goes in really crazy places that yeah. I would like to see. It's really but, rewarding yeah. to stick with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they do some really fun stuff with those characters. Uh, of which, like, I haven't seen really many returning characters. It was kind of like in the initial cutscene, mm. like, Grace is there. The, mm-hmm. um, uh, but, yeah, it, it, there hasn't been, like, a lot of returning characters. It's mostly new people for the most part. Um, yeah, so it's kind of all the video games I played. But then I played board games. Okay. Uh, my buddy, my wife and I are still playing Gloomhaven. And... So, Gloomhaven has so many pieces that it would take us roughly 25, 30 minutes just to set up. Uh, And then it would take, like, an extra 10 minutes to set up for an encounter. Um, And, like, my buddy bought the game, and Gloomhaven's not cheap. um, And he bought it for us to play. So, I only felt that it was fair that we got the Broken Token organizer for Gloomhaven, which... For those of you who don't know, if you're into tabletop games, you should definitely look at the Broken Token organizers for some games that have a lot of bits and pieces. Um, they are constructed out of, like, laser-cut wood, and it's just thin enough that you can still, like, pop out um, from, like, sheets. So it's like you're popping out those cardboard tiles from board games, but it's wood. Uh, and then it all okay. kind of fits together, and it makes these neat little organizers that fit in your game boxes. Um, so we got the one for Gloomhaven, which... Also has room for all the expansion stuff, um, which we don't have yet. But it has it has room for everything, and it is amazing the way they pack it full of stuff. It took me three hours to put the organizer together. <laughs> it took a very long time, um, but it was well worth it uh, because like everything actually fits inside the box. Because like, like what comes in Gloomhaven, like the box, like there's a space for all the character tuck boxes. And there's a space for, like, a few of the cards, but you have to put all the cards together. Like, you can't separate them out. And then you have to mm-hmm. take time separating them out later. Um, mm-hmm. And then with the tokens, you just have to dump the tokens in the box. Like, there's, like, there's damage tokens. There's status uh, effect tokens. There's, like, um, uh, like environmental, like, trap tokens and, like, chairs and desks and tables and pillars and altars and walls and all this stuff. And then there's the actual tiles for the maps that are really big tiles. So like this game has a ton of pieces um, and they just do not give you anything to organize them in the base box. So this was really critical because now like we just open the box and then I take out the tray of all the status effect and damage tokens and I put it next to the board. And now we can draw from that during the game. And like, they're all in nice neat little cubbies. Like we have character trays that have all of our, like our minifigures, our our little character tokens, our character sheets, our character board, all the stuff you would possibly need, all your cards are in these little trays and they fit perfectly. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And like, so as you're going through Gloomhaven, you're unlocking like uh, at different prosperity levels of Gloomhaven because it's a city in the game. You unlock new items that you can buy in the shop and like in the broken token organizer there are separate things for the different prosperity level items so you don't have to look in the manual and go oh we need this item through this item find the deck of items 
go through the whole deck, find those items, pull them out, and then put them into your, like, purchasable items deck. Yeah. Like, the thing has it separated out. So it's like, oh, we're at Prosperity Level 3, so I'm just going to take this group of cards and add it to this group of cards. Now we have those. Boom. Mm -hmm. Done. Uh, Just a lot of quality of life stuff that they clearly thought about uh, quite a bit beforehand. Like, they clearly played the game a lot and determined a lot of the problem areas that you'd be encountering in terms of organization. Um, So, highly recommend it. It was expensive. It was like $95. Well, it sounds pretty robust. It, yes. Uh, and everything fit together really well in a way that surprised me. So we all, my wife and I also bought the Betrayal Broken Token Organizer because that mm-hmm. has a lot of tokens as well. Um, and tiles because you're like building out the mansion as you go, drawing tiles. Um, and so it actually has a cool little tower that looks like the house um, where you draw the tiles yeah. from, which is neat. So they do like a lot of like really custom stuff per game. Uh, to kind of like get some of the personality and flavor in as well, right? Which is neat. Um, so yeah, their it stuff helps is justify, not cheap, but it's worth it. It it sounds like it helps justify the high price tag to make it right like, because it is so uniquely geared to that game and it's themed on that game. Yeah, it makes it feel a little bit more special versus just like here's a box to put all your cards and shit in. Right. You know? Yeah. Like you could buy an organizer and like make it work, but like this yeah. is like. Everything Especially for is that game. like Tetris perfectly to fit inside the yeah. game box that you have already. Um, That's cool. Yeah, really neat. Sweet. Uh, so TV and movie stuff. So I'm um, still watching Venture Brothers. I finished season three, which is when Brock quits and Henchman 24 dies. Mm. And I remember season four is when it starts to feel weird because, like, the characters change a lot and, like, just the dynamics of the show change a lot. And uh, that's... I, I, like, I didn't fall off the show. I just kind of stopped watching it because I didn't have access to Adult Swim anymore. But, like, that's when the show started feeling different and, like, I didn't like it as much. So I'm curious to see going forward, like if my feelings have changed a little bit given time and kind of marathoning through. But right. uh, there are some really fun storylines, like when Brock is working with. It's not the OSI; it's like a new group that try, is trying to take down the guild or whatever. And so he's like working with all the GI Joe fake characters. Okay, just a lot of a lot of funny shit like that. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to continue watching that. Still watching Smallville, so I am now like a third of the way through season four. The end of season three is fucking bonkers. So if you remember when I talked about the end of season one as being like, oh, you know, Lex is deciding whether or not to let his dad die as their house is collapsing from this tornado. And meanwhile, Lana gets sucked up into the tornado and you just see Clark run into it. And that's how season one ends. And it was nuts. Season three is kind of it's very similar. So a couple episodes before the end of season three, Pete, who is um, Clark's like best friend who knows Clark's secret, he leaves the show. He's like, hey, I'm out, deuces. And I don't know what the backstory is. I think the actor just like wanted out. And so that was kind of a weird exit because it was really abrupt. Yeah. But uh, so he leaves. And then meanwhile, Chloe, who is Clark's other best friend, who's like the female reporter person, and she's like super sarcastic and and funny she is getting ready to testify against lex's dad because when he was a kid he had his parents murdered so he could collect their insurance money (laughs) it's just nuts so she's getting ready to testify against him 
and Lionel, who's the dad, is currently in jail preparing for that case. And she goes into witness protection, and you see her house, the house that her and her dad walks into, explodes. And so you're like, okay, so Chloe just fucking died. Meanwhile, Lex is in, um, uh, or sorry, Lionel is in prison awaiting his trial, and he gets stabbed from a dude who was hired to stab him, and so he's bleeding out on the floor in the showers. <laughs> and then also Lex is, uh, is like, because he's, you know, partially behind the whole pushing against Lionel because they always butt heads. He's drinking some whiskey, and then he, like, falls to the ground because he's been poisoned. So he's, like, dying on the floor. <laughs> like, so they just... Yes, just like, everything. Something like, bad has to happen to everybody. Yes. And then there's a big moment between Lana, who is the love interest, and Clark, because they've kind of been on and off. There was a will-they-won't-they they for a while, then they dated for a while. She broke up with Clark because he kept lying to her because, obviously, he's not going to be honest about a secret and she decides to move to Paris and so when you're watching it you're like well she's off the show now because she's on a bus going to the airport to move to Paris and then Clark there's a big thing happening with Clark's dad and um, Jor-El who's Clark's biological father right. who is dead but his like he his, his sort of like consciousness has been put into these tiles and stuff where he's talked to Clark he's talked to Jonathan Kent in the past and Clark was under the influence of red kryptonite early in, I think at the beginning of season three, and he had like moved to Metropolis and he was being like a bad dude. And like, he was like robbing banks and shit under the influence of this red kryptonite, which takes away all of his inhibitions. And so Clark's dad uh, made a deal with Jor-El to say, Hey, if you give me the power to bring Clark back, I'll work with you. I'll give you what you want, which is to, teach Clark his true destiny to, like, rule the Earth. And clearly, like, Jonathan Kent's not going to do that, but he's like, I need to get my son back. I'm going to make a deal with the, the proverbial devil. Right. So that stuff starts to manifest itself back because Jor-El is trying to get Jonathan to do what he's supposed to do, and Jonathan isn't. So Jonathan has, like, a heart attack or a stroke or something, so he's been in the hospital. And meanwhile, then Clark gets abducted by Jor-El and, like, sucked into some alternate reality, which is how his story ends in season three, where he, like, disappears. And then Clark's dad goes into a coma. (laughs) And that's the end of season three. How How did you not watch season four? after that though say what how do you not watch season four after that oh yeah absolutely like and and that's partially what was so disappointing then because they undo everything Uh like obviously uh chloe didn't die in the explosion they knew about it ahead of time and so lex had her uh in a safe room underneath the house before it exploded. So she survived. Okay. Lex, he did end up, he got, end up getting saved by someone and they brought him to the hospital and they gave him the antidote. And then like Clark, he just appears randomly from, I don't know if it's like the phantom zone or where he goes with Jor-El, but he just like appears and his mom kind of gets it cause he has amnesia. And so he kind of gets his memory back, blah, blah, blah. So they like uh, Lionel survives the stabbing. Like they undo a lot of this stuff. But uh, still, like, that that last episode of season three, I'm just watching it like, holy shit, everything is breaking. Like, all of this is terrible. But it was a really <laughs> fun finale. And then uh, the biggest thing about season four is they introduced Lois Lane, played by Erica Durrance, who is awesome on this show. It just breathed such new life into the show because she is a good actress. 
And, like, not everybody on the show is terrible. Obviously, Tom Welling, who plays Clark, is not great. And Michael Rosenbaum, who plays Lex, he's very good. But just a lot of the writing is really bad and corny. Uh, But she just, she brings this, like, jubilant attitude and, like, just a sense of fun to the show that it had been missing through most of season three. Because season three got really in the weeds about Clark's biological father and, like, all of his Kryptonian stuff. And it lost a lot of the charm that it had had. Uh, and so season four is bringing a lot of that back. Like they're doing a little bit more of the freak of the week storylines with with Lois on the show. It just has kind of has like new life to it, which is really awesome. They also brought in Jensen Eccles, who is in Supernatural. He's one of the brothers. Oh, he's he's the blonde, the short blonde hair brother. Oh, okay, yeah. He plays Lana's new boyfriend, who is basically the same character as her boyfriend in season one, who goes to war and gets murdered, which is really fucked up. And there's a whole story. I don't think I ever talked about that. But so he goes to war, dies. And then there's a storyline where he's he comes back. And you're like, wait, he, so he didn't die? Like he was missing an action and then confirmed KIA. But then he comes back and you're like, holy shit, he's alive again. And so him and Lana are back together. And then you find out that it's actually this character who's a shapeshifter. Oh, who's man. secretly like... She wants to be Lana because she was earlier on in the show where she like wanted to be best friends and she shapeshifted into other people to try to always be close to Lana. Where she comes back and had shapeshifted into Lana's dead boyfriend, which is so dark. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, the, all the Freak of the Week stuff is back, which is awesome. Uh, they are also introducing characters that are super-powered, but not because of Kryptonite. So that was the big thing previously, is all of the villains, like the in the you know the freak of the week, were all created from Kryptonite in Smallville. And now they're expanding the universe to introduce characters that have powers that are not because of Kryptonite. So like, they, the Flash is in an episode, which they bring him back later on when Clark kind of forms his Justice League. They also introduce Mr. Mixix Pitlick, who is a classic Superman villain, who in the comics, he's from a different dimension. He's like this little tiny dude that like has magic powers. And of course, in the show, he's like a handsome Russian exchange student because it's a CW show. (laughs) But yeah, so that's pretty stupid. But um, it'd be funny if he was a handsome Russian dude that was very small. (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> at least they could have some tie-in yeah. but like his name i don't remember his first name but his last name is mix Mick, it's picklick or whatever and like it's just it's very very stupid how they manipulated the character so yeah like it it, it the show kind of has new life to it there's still a lot of the larger mystery about clark's background and a lot of that's not as interesting just because it's like they're taking their time with it too much and they just, like, randomly bring it up whenever they want. Like, there's a big storyline where when Lana's in Paris, she, like, gets uh, possessed by this old witch from, like, the 18th century. And then it just, like, is... Like, that storyline goes nowhere for, like, seven episodes. And then in the eighth episode, all of a sudden, the witch takes over her body now. And it's just, like, why did she wait? What was happening with Lana in the meantime? Like, a lot of that is lazy plotting throughout the season. And yeah. that's just... It's just because the show is not that high quality, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 very glad for the presence of Lois because I was definitely fading on it, like I wasn't super excited to be watching it. But with her on the show, it's much more fun. She did leave, like she was a guest star for first five or six episodes, and then she was gone, and she came back for one episode. So I'm sure the I think they bring her in every once in a while, and then once Clark moves to Metro uh, Metropolis. 
in a couple of seasons, she's a series regular. But uh, okay, yeah. So I'm kind of reinvigorated on Smallville right now. That's good. And then we watched all of Stranger Things three, so okay. we can actually talk about this shit. Hey, cool. So here's my thing, and I found this pretty early, like in the first half of season or of of the first episode of season three. Okay, so season one, they played with different horror genres, right? Like, season one was very alien. There was this mysterious monster that you needed to avoid. You were trying to learn more about how you fight it. And that was kind of the genre that season one played in. Season two was more aliens, where the mystery of the lab was gone. Like, the mystery of this foundation was gone. And it was a little bit more action-y. Yeah. As well as layering on, like, poltergeist, psychological horror-type stuff with the possession of Will. Right. Season three is more of the, like, 80s, like, gremlins, sort of slapstick, gross-out horror movies. Yeah. And I love that they play in all these genres. Don't get me wrong. The, my issue with season three is that the, moving to season two, those genres still were similar enough to what they had done in season one that it still felt like the same show, just slightly altered. Season three feels like a completely different show. It does. It is so over the top and slapstick and jokey and like... Hopper is like the comedic relief in season three, which one doesn't make sense because he's such a self-serious character. But also I love David Harbour, whatever you say his last name. He's not that great on the comedic side. Like he had so many bits in the season that do not play. So I just think the execution was also poor, but it just like, it felt the show felt wrong to me and it felt so corny and it took away a lot of the tension in a lot of scenes because they kept undercutting it with constant jokes. So I don't know. I, I still, I need some time and having marathon seasons one and two right before watching season three. I still think overall I enjoyed the ride of season three more than season two, which I thought I found to be very disappointing, Yeah, yeah. but it was not like, it certainly does not capture the magic of season one and no. like how amazing that season was. So I don't know. I can't help but feel a little disappointed in the direction that they went. Layered on top of that, it was so obvious. Every single yeah. major plot turn was so unbelievably obvious. Yeah. Like literally in the first episode, I figured out that the Russians were behind the mall, that that was where they were trying to do the... Uh, like reopening the gate that the mayor was working with them. Like I figured that all out in the first episode and I was like, okay, either it's a red herring and they're subverting my expectations and it's going to be a big twist where this isn't true or they don't care that it's obvious because that's the genre. Like the mystery doesn't need to exist because it's more about fun horror. And I think it was supposed to be more of the latter. Like, it's more the mystery doesn't need to exist. But I feel like they did a bad job conveying that. Because there are several moments where it they have reveals that they take seriously that were really obvious. Like, I think it's in the second episode, the big Russian dude. You see him walking out, uh, or you see a guy with a motorcycle helmet walking out of the mayor's office. Right. And I was like, oh, that's the big Russian dude. And it seemed unbelievably obvious. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, then they just, they they know that the audience knows, and it doesn't really matter. But then the episode ends with, like, a slow pan where you see the helmet, and then it reveals his face of, like, a, oh, it was this guy. He's here now. And I was like, wait. So no they shit. thought this was going to be a reveal? <laughs> like, it's so up. So... 
I just feel like they they kind of tried to have their cake and eat it too a little bit with that kind of stuff. Where like the reveals they took seriously when they should have not taken seriously. So that I don't know. I, I a lot of it I found disappointing and the over the top nature didn't work for me in a lot of ways. I will say the storyline with Steve and Robin and Dustin and uh, Lucas's little sister, where they're trying to like figure out all the shit in the mall. That storyline I loved, and a lot of it's because I I love Steve and I love Dustin and I love those two together, right. and I really liked the Robin character too. Yeah, but too. that was so Goonies. Like that it sort of sense of adventure. So, yes. Like we have to infiltrate this hidden thing and figure out all the secrets and avoid the traps. And we have a map and we have a plan it out. Like it was very, very Goonies. And I loved that ride of it. Again, they tried to have their cake and eat it too. Like when Steve and Robin are captured and like are being tortured, they try to like, like, oh shit, this is so fucked up. But then they also have a lot of jokes and them make it like when they're on drugs and they're making fun of it, but they're also being tortured. And those two things just like the drama and the comedy don't really gel well together for me. Sure. So I don't know. Now that we can go into the spoiler side of it, did you have any different feelings than i did because you can only talk super vaguely last time we we talked about it right um no i feel like i'm probably with you on most of that um i well i didn't expect robin to be a bisexual <laughs> that was a surprise oh, yeah that was too that was i like that moment um yeah. i I, right, I, I, I don't even she's not bi i think she's gay oh i, I thought like she also liked steve but also no, like this other girl. I think it was more that like she liked Steve like as a friend. Oh, or, like okay. she like she has love for him like a friend. That, oh, that, okay. At least that was my interpretation. Was that? Y- she yeah, was gay. you might be right. Um, but I wasn't expecting that. Uh, they did a good job of masking that. I thought she was just like low key into Steve. Um, right, right, right. But uh, yeah, and that was kind of the most surprising thing, really. I don't know. Like a lot of the body horror stuff was a little weird. Like. Yeah. The, like, melting into yes. flesh pile stuff. And then, like, the fact that it could do that really raises, like, it inserts a lot of plot holes in, like... I agree. Hey, this thing could have gotten into this and done this and this and this. And like, it really, like, the ability... Like, because at the one point, it kind of goes through that, like, grate in the door to get at what's-her-face in the hospital. Yeah. And, like... That means it could go under or around all these other doors that it just flat out doesn't later. Right. Um, right. So I don't. I don't know how I feel about that. But yeah, though I will say they always played fast and loose with Eleven's powers. Yeah. And in season two, with what the possession of Will really meant, and so like they continued to do that. Like the mind flayer continued to like have whatever powers it needed at, to do the thing it needed yeah. to do, and Eleven like going into. It's not the upside down, but that like black wet area that she always goes to in her mind. She could always do like whatever she needed to do in that area. Like whether or not she could interact with someone when she touched the Demogorgon, like what that actually meant. Did that open the, the, like all of that was very unexplained intentionally because they're playing fast and loose. So I agree with you that like the inconsistencies can be frustrating, but that's that part of that's just kind of the show. Yeah, I know. It's that like they just, they're not going to explain it because that's not really what matters. Like just go along for the ride. Yeah. Um, I will say to backtrack a little bit about how the comedy really kind of undercut a lot of the drama and it did 
broadly, but there were still several moments where I was like on the edge of my seat, like when they trap uh, Billy in the sauna. Yeah. And like Eleven's fighting him and like you know like she's going to lose. Yeah. And like that moment I was like holy fuck this is so intense when the meat monster is chasing Nancy and Jonathan through the hospital. I was like holy shit like that was really dramatic. Right. So there definitely were moments like that that were really tense and scary, but bro- like a lot of the smaller things didn't play as much. What did you what did you think about the whole Hopper dying thing? I and this maybe this is more just like me understanding television i knew he was like it's not that they like foreshadowed it necessarily but i knew he was gonna die this season just something about the way that television shows work i just was like i feel like hopper's probably gonna die this he's, season he's and yes, yes he, they smear quote killed hopper he's not right, dead he is he, not dead he yes, jumped obviously. into the uh the upside down and the russians pulled him out because at the end when they're walk after the credit yeah, sequence and they say like, oh not the american oh, not the american that's fucking yeah. hopper like no duh and again, I'm hoping that they subvert the expectation that that was a red herring and it's actually a different American person. Like maybe it's uh, um, the dude that was running the lab in season one, Papa, whatever. Because oh, that was the in season two when eight is in Eleven's head as him. And he's like, you know, I'm not dead. Like, you know that. Uh it could be him. So, like, that's an, that's an example of, like, hey, could this be subverting our expectations? Yeah. I will be bummed if Hopper is dead because I love the character. Yeah, me too. But I kind of would prefer him to actually be dead because that's more narratively interesting than, like, yet another fake-out death. Um, right. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I f- it didn't have the impact that a lot of people that it did for a lot of people because it was so obvious that he wasn't dead because they didn't show it. Yeah. Because I remember seeing online, like... Without it, it being spoiled, like, a lot of people were like, oh, I cried at the end of season three because of X, Y, and Z, uh, which I'm sure was the Hopper death moment, which it just didn't, it didn't impact me at all because I, it felt like it was not actually dead. Well, so. right. Well, and also, when it shows the thing exploding, he's not standing there anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, doy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's pretty so, obvious I mean, that he's not actually dead. Overall, I was disappointed because I didn't like how the genre changed. Like, previously, they took horror genres and adapted them to fit their show. And season three felt like they adapted their show to fit the horror genres. And that, I thought, was not um, as effective as it has been in the past. Yeah. But it was still a very fun ride. Uh, I enjoyed a lot of the big set-piece moments. Yeah, there's the whole a lot Billy of fan service stuff in it. Yes, the the Billy thing didn't hit me as much either because that character is such an asshole. Yeah, like I don't, they, giving they him never some, really did anything to make no. you feel anything for him. Giving like, him some pathos like doesn't undo him being a piece of human garbage. Right. So like I wasn't sad that he died at the end. Like fuck off. Uh, like the, se- yeah. the season starts with him attempting to commit adultery. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I feel like it's a just and fitting end. Right. Um, uh, so I know you brought up some like theories and stuff on where it was going to go so i wanted to talk about that too um yeah so i mean uh, like i think i don't think they bring hopper back season four i think they bring him back season five because they've said they think the show will be over after season four or five i bet this i bet the show goes to season five and i bet that's when hopper comes back i hope season four goes a lot more into the upside down 
because season three had like almost no upside down. Right. Um, so, well, because the mind flare was in our reality right, now. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It was strange. I, I, I don't know what a season four looks like, especially since everyone kind of like spread out. Yeah. That's my thing. Like I was, I'm not, I don't want the show to end yet. Cause I love it. But the way that season three ended, not the little teaser at the end, but like with them all saying goodbye and the note from Hopper and them driving off, like that felt like a, a like a very bittersweet actual ending to Stranger Things. Yeah. And I, I would have been satisfied with that actually being the ending of the show. So I agree. It feels weird now that like, how are they going to get everybody back together? The teaser of it being in Russia where they're, I guess, breeding a Demogorgon or trying to like train a Demogorgon to fight for them. I don't know like what the goal is there. Right. But like that seems, I don't know, making that the enemy I'm not sure will be as interesting, but I, I have faith in the Duffer brothers to, to, you know, to come up with something narratively interesting because they've succeeded so far. But sure. yeah, the, how are they going to get everyone back together? Will parts of it take place in Russia now? Like a lot of that, I'm not sure how that's, that stuff's going to come together. Um, like I mentioned last time, I would love to expand the universe farther. And like, is there another superpowered person? It doesn't seem like they're going to go that direction, um, but I think that that would be cool from an, like a world building perspective. Yeah, well, um, especially if they're going to build towards some really big, larger scale conflict in like to end right. the show with. I feel right. like you're going to want more people than just eleven. Yeah, when the Hopper moment happened, this was like. So, like, if that isn't Hopper in the jail cell, but he is alive. Because, like, when the Hopper moment happened and you didn't see his body, my initial thought was somehow he ran through the gate before right. it happened. Yeah. Um, which is your theory as well. But then you think the Russians got him from the Upside Down and, and he's in the jail cell. But theoretically, if it wasn't him in the jail cell and he's in the Upside Down, I, well, I was like, what would be a cool cold open of season four? And it's the Russians are in the Upside Down, like, a a big group of army soldiers are like exploring in the upside down with their guns and shit walking around. And then they're like, you know, it pans out and you see they're, they're coming through the gate, blah, blah, blah. And then they all leave. And then it's like a slow pan in the upside down over. And then you just see like Hopper hiding behind something, like having watched what just happened that I thought would have been a really cool or cold open. These Russian soldiers are in the upside down and they're like being hunted and they're like ru- like they're terrified and they're oh, scared sure. and like they're scared of like a demogorgon like killing yeah. or whatever and it turns but it's out actually it's Hopper. actually Hopper. That would be that would be cool too. <laughs> That'd yeah, be for fun. sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I'm not sure where season 4 is going to go and that's probably a good thing. Like if it was super obvious what it was going to be that'd be less interesting. Uh But yeah, I'm I mean I continue to be excited to see more of the show. It's it's still one of the coolest things on television. Well, television in quotes, I guess. But, right. uh, yeah. Any other, like, theorizing about what it would be? Mm, I don't, not really. I mean, those are kind of... <laughs> those are kind of all my ideas. Yeah, I guess the, my thing about the Mind Flayer is, like, is that going to continue to be the only bad guy? Because, like, theoretically, because Kelly and I talked a li- about this a little bit, like... Could, because the upside down is a different dimension, right? Right. And so, in this like black, wet area that Eleven goes, she made contact with the Demogorgon, which is what connected our dimension and the upside down dimension. Like theoretically, could there be a bunch of other dimensions out there that she could somehow connect? And like, I feel like if the show was gonna go on 
forever. That's something that they would explore. But I think after three seasons of the Upside Down, the Mind Flayer, the Demogorgon, yeah. I don't think they can move in a different direction. I think it needs to continue to be that. And My like, only fear maybe that's is like the after credit sequence of the final season is her connecting another dimension or something. And oh, sure, like, yeah. Whoa, it could right. go on forever, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I my only fear is that can they keep the Mind Flayer story interesting for n- another two seasons potentially? Perhaps if there is something that flays the Mind Flayer, oh if there's something boy. above the Mind, like because the whole deal with the Mind Flayer is it wants to like enter our dimension and take over. What mm-hmm. if it wants to do that because, because it's working for something? Or it's trying to escape something else. Oh, okay. In the upside down. Yeah. If there's something worse in the upside down. Right. That's yeah. That that's possible. Cool. Well, I'm excited to watch more of it. Um, other stuff we've been watching is more competition reality show stuff. So Netflix has a new competition show called Blown Away, that is about glass blowing. It is a bad competition show. Not because of the premise, which is interesting. Like, glass blowing is a really cool niche thing that is yeah. fascinating to learn about and to see the creations and the creativity. But it's only, the episodes are only 23 minutes long. And so you just never learn enough about the process and you don't spend enough time with the final product and them like analyzing and talking about the final product to ever fully get invested and feel like I'm really learning anything about glass blowing. Because it's not like a cooking show. We're like, everyone knows how to cook in some fashion. There is a cultural familiarity with cooking that you can, you don't need to show the process of cooking as much on a cooking competition show. It's more about the results, the tasting and talking about it. But glass blowing is not something that people are really familiar with the process. (laughs) Yeah. And so, like this, I feel like this would be a really good competition show if it was an hour long. And it's weird that being on Netflix. That they stuck to the like 22, 23 minute thing that broadcast shows are on because of commercial breaks. It just seems like a weird decision to arbitrarily make. Uh, And I'm sure they, you know, it was not a decision made lightly where they thought this was the right approach. I firmly believe that it was not. So that that's ruining it a lot. Like Kelly and I are not interested really in watching it. We just watch it every once in a while just because if we're bored. Okay. So, yeah, I would like to, I don't know, if they were going to do another season, I would want to see it be longer and spend some more time learning about how these people are doing these insane things with glass. Right. Um, We're still watching So You Think You Can Dance. So we are past the audition round, and now we are at the academy round, which is where they take all the people that succeeded in the auditions, put them all together in a big class, and they do all the different styles, a bunch of choreography, and they cut from there to find the top 20 people, which they will then cut down to the top 10 people. What pisses me the fuck off is that they have now gotten to the top 20, and maybe six or seven of the top 20 people are people who we saw audition. Meaning 90% of the people that auditioned early got cut during the Academy section. And most of them got cut on the first day of the Academy section. Which again goes to my point when I was ranting about the auditions of like, why are you showing me all of these mediocre dancers and not giving me enough time spent with the people that will actually make it on the show? Yeah. So that has been really, really frustrating as someone that, loves so you think you can dance 
it's also frustrating because it, it's season 16. The scale of the show has been dialed back significantly. Like they used to do auditions around the country. They used to go to all these different cities. The Academy was this really blown out week long thing. And this season it's like all of the auditions are just in one place in LA. The Academy was only two episodes. It was really truncated and instead of it being 20 dancers making it onto the shows, the actual competition, it's only 10, which they did last season as well. But that justification was they had all-stars of like people's favorite dancers from past seasons had a partner on the new show. And they always danced together, which was not a format I enjoyed because then instead of people voting for the new dancer they liked, it was like if it was an all-star that they liked the new dancer stayed in the competition because people liked the all-star. Okay. And, like, that's not fair. Like, that's right, an unfair right. advantage. Like, we're not actually judging these new dancers' talent. We just like the all-star enough that we keep them around, which was super frustrating. And I don't know if they're doing that this time because it's only 10 dancers again or if they're going to find a different way. Hopefully it's a different way. But just it being such a smaller group of dancers just means the best part of the show, which is the choreographed live shows that they do, there are going to be far fewer of them than there used to be. So that's a bummer. My, it like, because, you know, I'm sure it's, they have, hey, we have 16 episodes. 10 of them are the live shows. So you have six episodes to do all the other shit. You have to make it work. I'm sure that's what happened. Yeah. And their solution was, okay, 10 dancers, 10 episodes. What I would have done is 20 dancers in 10 episodes, and let's just cut a guy and a girl each episode until we get down to the top 10, and then it's cut one per. So that's how I would have solved that problem, just because I want to see more dancers on the live shows, but it is what it is. We watched the first episode of Gordon Ramsay Uncharted, which is... Hold on. Yes. I I like the idea... Of Gordon Ramsay starring in <laughs> an, an uncharted, uncharted movie. movie. <laughs> These ancient ruins are rotten. <laughs> I was very disappointed to learn that it was not that. Dang it! Yeah, it's just—I mean—it's Gordon uh, Ramsay sort of globe trotting, and it's so the first one he goes to Peru. And he's, like, in the wilderness of Peru, the Incan. Like, he's learning a lot about ancient Incan cooking techniques. Okay. He's with this, like, famous Peruvian chef. And they kind of compete against each other of, like, here's everything I learned about Peruvian food. And they cook together at the end. It's fun. A lot of it is more about Gordon Ramsay's shtick than it is the food, which I don't enjoy as much because Gordon Ramsay's been around so long. Don't get me wrong. I love the guy. But, like... His whole, like, I'm going to swear at everything is sort of losing its luster a bit. Um, but it's a, it's a fun show. Like, and I th- it's on National Geographic currently. Okay. So there, I think there will be a new episode every week. So I'm sure we'll continue to watch it and see kind of where other places he goes. Because at first I thought it was going to be more of, like, his version of Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations. Where, like, he goes to cities across the world and just, like, eats the local cuisine. Okay. But this seems to be far more of, like, I'm going to go into the wilderness with, like... Not Bear Grylls style, but, like, the natives that, like, live on a farm and cook over a fire in their hut. Like, right. that's the kind of thing he's doing. Which is cool, because, like, there isn't a lot of food shows that, that do that that sort of thing. So, it's neat. Huh. And then we've been watching Queer Eye, which I know you guys have watched as well. Yeah. We only watched the first two episodes. 
it continues to be awesome. It's amazing. It's the best I love show. That show. It's the best it's, show it's, on television. It's quite good. Uh, you guys been watching anything else? Uh, I watched the first couple episodes of the new Comedians in Cars that went up. Oh, okay. Jerry yeah, I, don't, show. I am not caught up. I think okay. I still have like the whole previous season as well to watch. Okay. Because I was watching that show a lot when I was really sick. I think like okay. it was like last. It was like a year ago. I think maybe. It was like the whole month of April I was sick. And so I just like stayed home and just watched that show on repeat <laughs> all the time. And I haven't really gone back to it. Because it's so it's so short and digestible yeah. that like I kind of lose um, investment in watching more than one episode at a time. Okay. He, he, any any like big stars? So from Ed, Eddie Murphy's the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and he and Eddie have a really fascinating conversation about Bill Cosby. And then that conversation kind of continues a little bit uh, when he does an episode with Seth Rogen later. Hmm. Um, so there's some really interesting, interesting takes on yeah. uh, sides of Bill Cosby that unfortunately only certain people have seen. Right. Um, so yeah, it's interesting stuff there. And then also just like them talking about like the glory days of stand-up comedy when it was, you know, coming up big um on the upswing and just like how wild that time must have been and just like how i mean, like nothing will things aren't like that anymore yes like yeah. th- those kinds of environments aren't fostered anymore and like mm-hmm. you can't really kind of ex- experience that sort of like a, a renaissance a new thing it, it feels like we're kind of past the ability to have that kind of thing happen yeah, just because of the internet and social media, like right. that just that stuff doesn't really happen that way anymore. Yeah, so it's just fascinating, fascinating sure. stuff. Uh, watched a lot of movies, bunch of shitty horror movies. <laughs> uh, several, yes. <laughs> um, the first one's not a horror movie though. It's The Highwaymen with uh-huh. um, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson, and they play okay. the two guys that were the two ex-Texas Rangers. That were um, sent after Bonnie and Clyde. Yes, I saw a trailer for this. Uh, yeah. It's a little, a little slow in a couple of spots, but dang it, man, it's really good. It is very, <laughs> it's a awesome movie. It's an <laughs> awesome movie. Um, like the two of them together gelled really well. Like Woody Harrelson's so good, man. He's amazing. He's so good. I feel like he's like he's been in so many movies, and I can't think of a single one that he's been bad in. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's so good. So the Highwaymen, mm-hmm. awesome. Um, I also really like that period of time. Um, right. It's just a, a fun. Everything looks cool. <laughs> Everything looks awesome. It's like everyone it's the was best cool style. Yeah. Uh, everyone wore suits. Everyone wore and dresses were hats and shit. Yeah, those fancy hats. You could go into a gun store and buy thirty guns. <laughs> oh, what a great, what a great time! Uh, and then uh, I, uh, my wife and I watched Us, which yes. is that uh, the horror movie the new about Jordan the, Peele. Yes, yeah, from Get Out. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a weird movie. It looked very weird, and like I still don't quite understand how it ended. I don't want to talk about it because the whole point of horror movies is right. 
Well, and I, I intend to see it at some point because okay. I would love to get out. And as right. much as I hate horror movies, I want to watch this. So, yeah, no no spoilers. It but. does not go where I thought it was going to go at all. At okay. all. And, like, it, there's some, like, they have a lot of moments where, like, they try and lighten the tension, uh, huh. too. And I don't know. It's a strange movie. Um, then the wife and I watched Cam, which is a uh, horror, quote-unquote, more like a thriller about a Cam girl. Nice. Uh, and at the end of it, she didn't learn her lesson. <laughs> uh, so, <sighs> screw that movie. Um, she, like, so basically the whole... I'll spoil this one because this is like a whatever. I feel like it's kind of old, too. I don't know. Um, so, spoilers for Cam. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, basically, her... She's trying to break top 50 on this website of Cam Girls... And she's almost there, and then someone hijacks her channel. Someone who looks just like her and is doing her shtick and is in a room that looks just like her room. Like, they're doing her thing. And she's, like, locked out of her own account and, like, trying to figure it out. And it turns out, like, all these, like, details of her life are being, like, things that she's never shared with anybody. This person knows. All this other stuff. So, I don't... And I never really got the answer if it was, like, supernatural or if it was, like, a technology thing or if there was a person behind it. They never really answered that question. And then at the end mm. of it, like, she just managed to get her account back. And then at the end of it, she's like, well, I'm just, you know, if it happens again, I'll just delete my account and make another one. And again <laughs> and again and again. And I'm like, okay, you deserve to die. Like, you're an <laughs> idiot. Um, Whatever. Uh, that movie was stupid. Then we watched the first summoning, which similarly to last episode felt like someone's college movie that they made. And it was the same movie that my wife and I have seen maybe 12 times now. It's the same movie. Um, just in a different place. So don't watch first summoning. It's really bad. Uh, and all of the actors are terrible. Then (laughs) we watched the conjuring two. Uh-huh. Which we did not realize. So, my wife and I were sitting there like, Conjuring 2, and we looked at the main actor and the main actress. I don't remember their names, whatever. You can look it up. Um, we're like, man, like they were in The Conjuring 1, but the guy was also in this other movie. What was he from? Oh, he's from Insidious, I think. So, are Insidious and Conjuring tied? Turns out, no, they're not. But, The Conjuring is part of um, James Wan? Is that the director? Or producer? Okay. James Wan? Yes, he, he did. Uh, 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 he did some Aquaman. of the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, he Fast and Furious Seven and Aquaman. Yeah. Um, so he has, like, he has essentially started a James horror Wan-verse. movie. Yeah, a James Wanaverse <laughs> horrorverse. Like, yeah, because he, like, he, he worked on stuff. He worked on the Saw movies as well. Yes, yeah. Um, so he's familiar with working on franchises. Um, so like, he had this idea for, hey, what if we had a horror movie shared universe like the Marvel mm-hmm. movies do? Um, which I think is kind of interesting. And, like, the first Conjuring was a good horror movie. Second Conjuring that we just watched, also pretty good. Um, (laughs) And then I guess Annabelle Creation is also part of that because, like, in The Conjuring 2, there's, like, this room... Basically, they're based off of two real people that went around and, like, solved these haunted mystery things and, like, did exorcisms and stuff. And I uh, I guess, like, the two main characters are 
uh, based off of those people from real life. And they have this room of all these relics from cases they've solved that they kind of go into at the end of the movie. And there's the Annabelle doll in the back. And then, uh, I didn't realize this, but in the movie, like, the creepy nun, the demon nun was mm-hmm. like in the movie i was like oh wait is the nun movie based off of this thing and it turns out it is which Weird. my wife and i haven't seen that movie so basically this the conjuring 2 started it, it has it has made three spin-off movies because there's mm-hmm. the nun and mm-hmm. annabelle which i guess mm-hmm. the first annabelle was not very good so they remade it with annabelle creation which is apparently much better and retcon stuff from the first one so maybe don't watch the first Annabelle. just watch annabelle creation is what I'm seeing online. And then... In- I've got some news for you. I'm not going to watch any of these. Okay. Well, this... I'm, uh, <laughs> the you as in listeners. listeners. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Uh, oh, God. What was it? Oh, The Crooked Man. So, there okay. was a movie that just came out. I think it was like 2016 or something. The Crooked Man. Unrelated, turns out. There is a new Crooked Man movie that's based off The Crooked Man from Conjuring 2. That's coming hmm. out like 2020 or something. That they don't have like a trailer yet for, for yet. Well, there's uh, also the Conjuring three. Yes, there's also a third Conjuring movie. So here's the Conjuring James Wanaverse. There's the Conjuring, the Conjuring two, Annabelle, Annabelle creation, uh, the Nun, the Crooked Man, and Conjuring three. Crooked Man and Conjuring three are not out yet. So that is the James Wan horror verse verse. Sweet. It's interesting. I don't know. It is. It it's is. cool that, that they're doing cool. that. Just like yes. how the Paranormal Activity movies were bad, but it was cool that they had narrative threads right. that followed through all of them. That's neat that they do that. Uh, it because is. Because a lot of horror movies are just like one shot, the same thing over and over again. It's nice when they do something different. So yeah. it's cool. I have no interest in seeing any of those because I hate those kinds of horror movies. Right. But it is cool. It is a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to mention before we move on to news. So a while ago, we got an email, I believe from Steve in DC per use asking about like music and stuff that we're listening to. I, I don't know how or why this happened. I was randomly, how did I even discover this? Oh, it was pentatonics. I was watching a new pentatonics video and it, the song was Waving Through a Window. And I was like, I really like this song. It sounds very musical theater. And I had no idea, no context for what the song was. I was like, is this an original song that Pentatonix created? Are they doing their, you know, acapella adaptation of something? But I liked, it sounded very musical theater. And I thought that was cool. So I was looking through the comments. And people were like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome that you guys are doing this song. And so I was like, okay, so it is an actual song that they're remaking. So I clicked on a video that was Waving Through a Window. Song by Ben Platt, who if pe- people have seen Pitch Perfect, he played the like nerdy friend in Pitch Perfect. Yeah. So I watched him sing the song at the Tony Awards, which was the video I clicked. And holy shit, he was fucking incredible singing that song. Like, no hyperbole, one of the best voices I've ever heard. Holy crap. So I was like, okay, I gotta learn more about this shit. Turns out it's from a musical called Dear Evan Hansen, which yeah. I had not heard of, and apparently I was living under a rock because it was the big shit, and it was it was overshadowed by Hamilton. But right. Dear Evan Hansen won the Tony Award in 2017. Ben Platt won the Tony Award for the show, and so I went down a rabbit hole like watching. And he had he has just put out a solo album of himself, 
So I listened to all of that shit because he's incredible. But like, I listened to the whole soundtrack and I read all the story about Dear Evan Hansen. Had you heard of this musical? Like yeah. you being involved in that shit. I just, I, I didn't know. And I was just like, like, I don't know why this has connected. And maybe it's like the story of the musical is it's this dude with like social anxiety who gets wrapped up in a, uh, 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 a student, another student's suicide, and he gets wrapped up in it. Where like he lies and says that they were friends, and it's this whole whatever. And maybe it connected with me because of the social anxiety thing, and I really liked the character because he's kind of like awkward and shy and stuff and weird. But I can't stop listening to it. The music is absolutely incredible, and it's it's like I I when I was working from home last week, I listened to some of it while I was writing some stuff. And I, it's been in my head for over a week. I cannot <laughs> two two songs in particular. I cannot get out of my head. Waving through a window is one of them because it's incredible. Look that up. They're the ones only us. Which it's part of the, the 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 story of the musical is he has a crush on the kid who kills himself's little sister, and they kind of like form a bond because he gets involved in their lives and they're kind of together. And you know, the truth comes out that he was not, and that's kind of the. It's not a happy musical. Right. <laughs> like, you think it might be from some of the stuff, but it is not at all a happy musical. But those two songs, I just cannot get the fuck out of my head. And, like, it's annoying, but also there are incredible songs, and so I don't really care. I'm, like, constant. Like, I was home alone with my daughter yesterday, and I would just, like, randomly just be singing it to her because I cannot stop. So, for folks, like, if you like musical theater, you probably already know about this musical, so you're like, duh, Shay. But go just go listen to the soundtrack. It's going to bum you the hell out. Like what I did <laughs> is because I listened to a lot of the random songs. I was like, oh, I don't know enough about the context. So I just went to the Wikipedia page and kind of I read through the plot synopsis. And it does a good job of like this song takes place during this scene. So I like would read the scene and then listen to the song and then read the next scene and listen to that song. So I kind of got more of the through line as I'm listening to the soundtrack. So I recommend doing it that way. But holy shit, Darren Evan Hansen. I don't care about musical theater. I'm not that type of person. But something about this, I cannot stop listening to this this shit. And I think a lot of it's because of Ben Platt. Because holy, holy crap, dude. This guy. He's good. He's good at singing and acting. So there you go. That's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the like one thing of music I've been listening to in the past month and it's a fucking depressing musical. There I was go. listening to off book when I crashed my car. Nice. Uh, uh, well, not nice, but Jess was trying to hit a high note uh, <laughs> when you were spinning out. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm sure there was something really like funny going on because like they were all like laughing as mm-hmm. I like regained control of my car and like was sitting in it, and my wife like came running up to the door, like, "Are you okay?" Yeah. And like they're all laughing and singing and stuff, and I'm like, "This is just like a weird dichotomy, like dichotomous situation." It's pretty good. Yeah. Well, okay, let's dive into some news. There is not much at all. I was expecting because I know last episode I mentioned, "Hey, San Diego Comic Con's going to happen. There's going to be a bunch of shit to talk about there." There isn't. Like, it was a bunch of stuff that you or I don't really care about. Like, oh, they're making a new Top Gun movie, which, like, of course... Dude, I care about that! No, yes, I'm not saying I don't care about that movie, but it's more like, for the purposes of this podcast, it's not, like, news to talk about. The only big stuff is the Marvel Phase 4, which we will talk about. Tom Cruise doing a new movie is news. (laughs) He he (laughs) flies 
So because civilians aren't allowed to fly military vehicles, he doesn't fly a fighter jet, but he does fly a high-performance aero vehicle in the movie. Of course he does. He's Tom fucking Cruise. Apparently he actually flew the helicopter in the new Mission Impossible movie. He actually flew it. Because he's a badass. He's crazy. He's a crazy, (laughs) crazy man. I don't agree with most of the things he says or thinks, but he's great. (laughs) But just take his character as, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, at E3, Ubisoft announced that they were doing their Uplay Plus streaming service. With They were like, hey, more than 100 titles, blah, blah, blah. So, they've outlined what those games are. And it's like most of their stuff, which is pretty cool. So this is coming in September to PC as well as uh, coming to Stadia eventually for $15 a month. But um, a lot of what is cool about it is it isn't just the base game. So like with Rainbow Six Siege, for example, you get all of the DLC included. This is so the like most all of the new part. operators like, and stuff. I yeah. figured it would just be base game stuff. For right. Everything. Well, then like, they then they get you to like buy the microtransactions in the DLC. And right. Stuff, That's why I figured. At least for a lot of the games, they are not doing that. And even new games that are coming out. So like um, Ghost Recon Breakpoint is going to be included in Uplay Plus, and that version of the game is the like deluxe edition of that game, which is it's just a cool thing. So I'm not going to read all the games, but big hitters. It's like most of the big franchises you would expect. So. All of the Assassin's Creed games, all of the Far Cry games, except for the first one for some reason, both of the South Park games, Ghost Recon Wildlands, which also includes all the expansions and stuff, uh, the Splinter Cell games, both of the Watchdog games, the first Beyond Good and Evil, the indie games Child of Light and Valiant Hearts, which are both really awesome, all the Rayman games. So like pretty much everything you would expect as far as their historical catalog is going to be there. The notable exception is The Division. So neither of the Division games are included, okay. which is an interesting omission. Yeah. But the new games are also coming. So Gods and Monsters, which they announced at E3. Rainbow Six Quarantine, which they announced at E3. Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Watch Dogs Legion, which they announced at E3. All of those games are going to be part of Uplay Plus, which $15 a month, $180 a year. Like, if you think about it, if you intend on getting Watch Dogs Legion, Rainbow Six Quarantine, and Breakpoint, that pays for the service by itself. Plus, you get all those other historical games. Like, in the next year, I should say, if you plan on buying those three games in the next year. Right. So, like, if you look at it from a value prop perspective, if you are really invested in the Ubisoft stuff, and you either haven't played or would want to replay a lot of their kind of large, famous franchises, $15 a month, it sounds like a lot, but it's a pretty good deal if you consider all the new games and stuff that are coming to it. So, yeah, pretty robust lineup, I would say. Um, Nintendo Switch. We talked last episode about how they have the new Lite version, which is not docked, um, mobile only. They've also announced they have new Joy-Cons. Hooray. If you want to pay $80 for new Joy-Cons, they have a blue and neon yellow combo and a neon purple and neon orange combo. They both look cool. I have the gray ones. I think those are fine. Yeah. I'm not going to spend more money to buy colored. gray ones. Yeah, I just I would I have no interest in spending eighty dollars to buy a different colored. Joy-Cons. Right, I will never need more than four Joy Cons. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, and that's kind of like all the video game stuff. So, like I said, yeah. nothing is happening post E three. It will pick up eventually, but we're in the summer slump, as they say. Talking about uh, Comic Con, 
we got a first actual trailer for Netflix's The Witcher's show. They fixed the People. wig. Did they? Yeah. Did the, they? The wig looks... Well, it looks better. It looks better. He still looks weird. He still looks like he's wearing a wig to me. Uh, oh, yeah. Because it doesn't look real. Well, yeah, he does not have the face for that kind of hair. He looks like an elf. Like, he looks like Legolas, but... On steroids. Right, yeah. If Legolas was Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, like, a lot of people have been freaking out and like, hey, this is clearly a high-budget show. Like, Netflix is committing to this, which I totally agree with. You can see the budget in the production value. They're clearly like, hey, Game of Th- there's a gap now in Game of Thrones. Everyone on the fucking they, planet has it Netflix. It seems like they're chasing that real hard. My issue is, as someone that has not read the books, I have no major affinity for the fiction. I have a respect for the games, but I've only played a couple of hours of Witcher 2 and Witcher 3, so I'm certainly not invested in the IP. So as a person that likes fantasy stuff and knows that people love those games in the books, watching the trailer, my reaction was, boy, this looks generic as hell. Yeah. Like, it looks like an amalgamation of, like, every fantasy trope you could possibly think of. And it might just be a bad trailer, might be bad editing, bad copywriting in the trailer, but all the, like, pop-ups and stuff, like, the narration that's happening, the, like, text, that like, oh, the biggest monsters are the ones we create ourselves. Like, all that shit is just so generic and boring. So, I don't know. I'm watching it going, I don't see why I need to care about this. It's something I'm going to watch because it is The Witcher. It is a new Netflix series. It's fantasy. I'm going to give it a shot. It's free to but, watch because we have Netflix. Well, because we have it, yeah. I mean, we're paying for it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the people, like, freaking out about it. And maybe it's because they know the fiction, and so they're seeing the Easter eggs and the minute details that are making them invested. But as someone that is just going to watch it as a fantasy television show, I'm like, this, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything to get me excited about this other than it's a Netflix show with a lot of money behind it. Yeah. Like I would not pay to watch this show, not just yes. because I think it looks generic, but also because I don't want to support the author of the Witcher. Cause he's a huge asshole. Um, Fair enough. And, but like, also like I've never read the books either because I refuse to give that guy my money. Um, I mean, I could buy them used, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I mean, they've come out and said, like, it's only, like, we're following the book story, not yes. referencing any of the game stuff, which is kind of a bummer, because I think, from what I have heard colloquially, that there are a lot of uh, scenes and moments in the game that are not in the books that are really good. Mm. And there are maybe some things that the game does better than the books. It's probably just a matter of preference, but... Um, I've heard like like way certain characters interact with each other and kind of their rapport is a lot better in the games than the books. Um, I don't know if it's better means more fan servicey or not. I have no idea, but yeah, I don't know. Like I just I have a hard time. Like this, the author has really it, he's really soured me on the series. I have a hard time getting behind it. Um, right. In a meaningful way, just because I know what kind of an asshole that guy is. Yeah, yeah, them, them like, saying we're not doing anything from the video games seems weird, like, to have such a hard stance against any of that stuff. But that might be more just about setting expectations. Yeah. Like, they don't want people to get their hopes up to see a particular moment or character. I mean, I don't know the big differences between the games and the books, obviously, but 
a lot of people were very disappointed in hearing that. Yeah, well, I also things- have a feeling that maybe the author of the Witcher novels is partly to blame for that because he really That's hates possible. the games. He fucking hates the games, and he refuses to accept the fact that the games drove book sales, not the other way around, which is asinine. Yeah. Because yeah, it's a completely, a completely different demo. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's such a dick when it comes to the games. <laughs> like, he won't sign fans' copies of the games right. and, like, shit like that. Like, he's right. such an asshole. Uh, another weird thing that's come out about this, and it's specific to Henry Cavill. So, like, way back in the day, it came out in, like, a Letterman interview or something that he he was, like, super hardcore into WoW. And he almost missed his Man of Steel audition because he was raiding in WoW. And people were like, holy shit, this like famous, rich, handsome, buff actor is a video game nerd. And so people like really glommed onto that, which like, I get it. I get why people would think that like a celebrity, like it's like, oh, this famous person has similar interests as me. Like, I get why that might be cool. I think there's a little bit of, it's kind of sad of like why the fact that he is famous, why does that matter more what his opinions are? But that's a whole other topic. Yep. So... In an, in, in an interview for The Witcher, it came out that, like, oh, he played through The Witcher games. And people were like, oh, it's fucking awesome, dude. Like, this famous actor playing through The Witcher. I love The Witcher. Now he loves The Witcher. And I'm just like, why would he not have played through them? One, he plays video games. Like, yeah, sure. But also, like, it's character, character research. Study, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 that's so stupid. And you see, you see stories of, I think it was Joaquin Phoenix, actually, in the new Joker movie. And he's like, no, I haven't read the comics. And I'm like, like... Fuck off. I don't like I'm not saying you need to do the same thing that is done in the comics, but why would you not want every bit of information you can have as an actor? That seems like such a pretentious perspective to take. So this being the opposite of like, wow, how cool that he played through the games of a character he's going to play on television. Like if he didn't play the games, that would be stupid. Why are we rewarding him for playing the game? It just yeah. That reaction was dumb i thought and i think it's just because video games are not cool still uh they're being more accepted obviously but like hardcore gamers are still looked at as being lame so this like handsome rich famous dude playing video games they're like oh he's the savior of video games uh (laughs) so yeah i will say as 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 generic as the trailer felt i will say it was effective as a teaser trailer because it doesn't really tell you like what the story is it's mostly like here are some of the characters here's the mood so from that perspective i thought it was effective it's just that like it was effective at conveying something but the thing it was conveying was kind of boring (laughs) yeah (laughs) i thought um, okay, so this is not Sadio Comic-Con related, but I, I need to bring it up. <laughs> so they released a trailer for a quote-unquote live-action movie of the musical Cats. Yeah. And live-action's in quotations because it's all CG. It's like the new Lion King movie where it's not actually live-action. Right. But, so it's a trailer for Cats. Normally, this wouldn't rate to talk about on the podcast because, like, who really cares? Hey, remember but, the Cat shit, in the Hat movie? Yes. It's that. All the characters are the cat in the hat. <laughs> but taking itself seriously. Yes. <laughs> I mostly bring it up just because if you have not seen the trailer for Cats, you need to watch the trailer for Cats. I will link it in the show notes, but you can find it on YouTube anywhere really easily. More importantly. Holy shit. 
more importantly than yeah. watching the trailer for Cats, you need to watch the trailer for Cats that has the music from the Us trailer mm-hmm. mixed on top of it. The I got five on it. Uh, yeah. Creepy remix for the right. Us trailer. There is a Twitter video. I think it's only on Twitter. But someone put that trailer music over the Cats trailer. Holy crap. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah. It kind of like makes it feel like a horror movie, yeah. which is very good. Uh, a guy I know, he also did a, a re-edit of this trailer to make it a trailer for a Thundercats movie. So it has like a Thundercats Go kind of stuff behind yeah. it, which is also very funny. Um, yeah. The internet's good sometimes. It is nuts. Like, it looks like a thing they made as a joke. It is so awful. I am, like, baffled that people watching this were like, yes, I am proud of this. This movie is going to be amazing. It's just Rule 34 of the movie, dude. It's... It's fucking crazy. Hey, you know all these celebrities you're attracted to? Would you still be attracted to them if they looked like cats? Or would you be more attracted to them if they looked like cats? It's the ultimate furry test. Oh, man. Also, which I think is fucked up. So, like, James Corden is in it. Rebel Wilson is in it. Yeah. And both of them are fat cats. Yes. And, like, I don't know, something about that feels offensive to me. <laughs> like, you, like could have even... done, you could have done anything. It's CG. Yeah. yeah. You didn't but have they to still make have to be cats. fat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever. They signed on. Sure. They're okay with it. <laughs> All right. So, last piece of news here. At San Diego Comic-Con, Marvel kind of unveiled their big plans for Phase 4. All the movies. No big surprises. It was a bunch of stuff that had been rumored and semi-announced before. But we kind of got dates and whatnot on it. So, we'll just kind of walk through the timeline here. <clears throat> so, May 1st, 2020 is the next scheduled Marvel movie release. It is a Black Widow movie. It is a mock prequel that takes place between Avengers Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. It does not take place after Endgame for obvious reasons that Kyle doesn't understand because he has not seen Endgame. What? Dude, but, did they uh, kill um... everyone? They all didn't you didn't you watch Infinity well, War? Yeah, all those but, characters like, they die. do the comic book thing and they come back. But does Black Widow do not they? come back? Do they do that thing? I would assume so. Yes. But you haven't seen the movie. Do they do that I, thing? You don't yes. know. I, you'll never. You'll no, never I know. know. I know they do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to see it to know. So anyway, Black Widow movie. David Harbour is in it. He's playing Alexei, which from the comics is the Russian version of Captain America. So I'm really curious to see what approach they are taking on that character. If David Harbour is going to get buff for this, or if they're going to make it a joke that he's like a dad bod Russian Captain America, which sounds way better to me. That sounds funny. Or they might not do that at all. He might just be a person that they're just doing a nod to the comics. Who knows? In the fall of 2020, we will see the launch of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier television show on Disney+. Plus. I, again, think it is weird that the show is called The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, given how Endgame ends, which Kyle still doesn't understand. But you will if you watch the movie, <laughs> so you know what, what I'm, I'm pretty sure about. they all live. Uh, so, yeah, I like both those characters. I can see why they're giving them their own show. There are a bunch of other shows that they are taking from the movies and now giving these character shows, which some of it seems a little weird, but we shall see. November 6th. 2020 we are getting the eternals 
which I believe had already been announced, and there was some casting rumors. Uh, Angelina Jolie was rumored. Millie Bobby Brown, the lead Eleven from Stranger Things, was rumored as being in it. Have not seen anything about Millie Bobby Brown, but Angelina Jolie is in this movie. So, people don't know what the Eternals are. I didn't really know what the Eternals were. So I did the hard work so that listeners don't have to. And let's talk about what the Eternals are. They are... They were originally created in the comics as being surrogates for Greek gods. And a lot of their names are fairly similar to Greek gods as well. Uh, there, there was this celestial race called the Celestials that visit Earth and they create two races, the Eternals and the Deviants. Uh, the Eternals are the sort of normal people that have powers, that are these Greek god characters, and the Deviants are sort of these, like, manipulated evil versions of that, where they kind of, they go bad. And it's the Eternals' job to protect Earth from the Deviants. It's a comic book storyline. So the Celestials just did that because they wanted to, like, pop some popcorn and they, sit back they, and they watch? They do that, like, they do that on different planets and stuff. Like, that's that's kind of their thing. That's their jolly yeah, like, I mean, it's a comic book version of, like, gods, like, actual gods, where, like, you know, like, in Skyrim, the Daedric lords or whatever, like, yeah. they, their fun is fucking with us. Right. Like, when you are a god, the most fun you can have is fucking with humans, and that's kind of what the Celestials do. So here's the cast so far. Angelina Jolie is playing Thena, who is the daughter of Zurus, and you can probably see a correlation <laughs> to Athena and Zeus. Really solid stuff. <laughs> uh, so she's like a Wonder Woman type. She's just a badass warrior. In the comics, she has a love triangle thing with the leader of the Deviants. Not sure if they're going to go that direction or not. Richard Madden, who was Rob in Game of Thrones. He is playing Icarus, which is spelled differently from the Greek god Icarus. has <laughs> a K and an I. And so... Part of the thing with the Eternals is they just kind of have, like, Superman powers. It's just kind of, like, whatever powers they want they all have. But some of them have sort of specialties. So, like, his is he has, like, energy manipulation, like Captain Marvel style kind of powers. Kumail Nanjiani. I'm sure I'm saying his name wrong. No, that's right. Is it? Okay. He's he's an Indian actor who has become really popular. Sorry, I shouldn't. I don't know if he's Indian. He's Middle Eastern. I don't know if he's Pakistan or whatever. But uh, he is in... um... Crap. What's that show on HBO that I really liked about the company that makes an application? Silicon Silicon Valley. Valley. He's in Silicon Valley. He's he's pretty hot right now. He's a comedian. Uh, He is playing Kingo, who is a swordsman. Um, Lauren Ridloff who is an actress that is deaf in real life. She was on The Walking Dead for a while. I don't know if she's still on it or not. She's a black actress who is deaf. She's playing Makari, who in the comics is a male character, which is, there are a couple characters in the comics who are male who are now female in the show, or in the movie, rather. So she kind of has all those same powers. But in the comics, there's a storyline where she gives up all of her other powers to be fast, like a Flash type character or Quicksilver in the Marvel universe. So that's probably the route they're going to go in the movies to make them more specialized. So she's probably super fast. And then, um, Brian Tyree Henry, who is a black actor. He's on Atlanta. Uh, people would recognize him if they saw him. He's playing Fastos, who is the really smart one. That's, 
about the most important thing about him. Um, <laughs> Selma Hayek is in it. She's playing Ajak, who again was a guy in the comics who's a hand-to-hand combatant. And apparently in the movie, she will be the leader of the Eternals. I'm sure Angelina Jolie's character will be the main character because it's Angelina Jolie. But Selma Hayek's character is the leader of all of them. Leah McHugh is playing Sprite, who in the comics is a boy. He is a character that cannot grow. So he's like stuck in a child boy body, uh, who is kind of like a Loki. He's a kind of a trickster illusionist sort of character who will be a female in the movie. And finally, Don Lee is Gilgamesh, who is like the best fighter. He's blind. He has like daredevil kind of radar powers. And he's a badass, strong guy. That's the cast. I I, I don't know. As someone that is not invested in the Eternals, I don't know a lot of the nitty gritty of like the directions they could go with this. It just feels to me like a lot of these characters are the same as a lot of characters that already exist in other stuff. So it just is a weird Yeah, nothing feels really original about it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel all that fresh. But I think it is them expanding the universe literally and figuratively, uh, to give them more opportunities for other stuff. Obviously, well, this is a spoiler for Endgame, but there's a big multiverse thing in Endgame, which they could tap into with the Celestials and the Eternals, etc. Moving to 2021. February 2021-21 is the release date of this movie. Is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, who again, Shang-Chi is a lesser known Marvel hero. He is a Kung Fu guy. He doesn't have superpowers. He's just a badass kung fu guy. Uh, he's being played by an actor who is pretty unknown. His name is Simu Liu. He is... Shoot, I don't remember. I don't. I, th- I believe he's a Chinese actor, but I could be wrong. But he's like a totally unknown, which is a pretty cool thing. On IMDb, the villain listed is the Mandarin, which could be interesting. To, for them to actually do like the real Mandarin, not the fake Mandarin from Iron Man 3. Damn those oranges! in spring 2021 we are getting another television show on disney plus called wandavision which i'm interested to know more about again because of the events of avengers endgame uh yeah also in spring 2021 is the loki show in may 2021 may 7th we are getting doctor strange in the multiverse of madness which is a really good title it is I am interested because they're billing it as a horror movie, which the title doesn't quite match because it, it's kind of a jokey title. Like Multiverse of Madness sounds yeah. funny. Well, like, but they're saying blank blank in the blank blank is like a very old, yes. like adventure movie yes. title. So right. it's weird. Right. Uh, it is rated PG 13, like all the other ones are. So I'm not sure how much faith I have that they can do a horror movie like that that's rated PG-13 but the bigger thing is they are making it very obvious that the multiverse is a thing they are going to be exploring because it's in the name of the damn movie Right. so I am not a big alternate reality fan just because I think it creates a lot of messy storytelling and like lazy storytelling because if you have multiple universes and parallel universes you can do whatever you want whenever you want and I think that narrative restrictions are good for creativity. So we'll see what happens with this. It's weird that like we're waiting until 2021 to get a sequel to Doctor Strange. Yeah. And in the summer of 2021, 
another show on Disney Plus, What If. So this is a long-running comic series in the Marvel Universe where it's just like alternate reality versions of characters. And again, this is just say like, what if all of the superheroes were girls? Which is like a lame example, but like you can do literally whatever you want because it's what if. They haven't given details. My my guess is that this will be an animated show because that seems like something that would be really hard to do in live action. But it is a lot of cool light. It's a cool opportunity to do things with popular characters that will no longer exist in the movies, a la Iron Man and Captain America, who are very clearly gone after the events of Endgame. Which you would know if you had seen the movie. <laughs> okay. If they need some ideas for the What If show, mm-hmm. uh, one of my students, um, uh, who is on the autism spectrum, he would... Uh, he didn't really do it this past year, but the a couple of years before then... Um, he, his big thing was he would walk up and just start on a, on some diatribe, like, what would happen if, and mm-hmm. he would kind of launch into a random, like, what would happen if uh, the Earth had a lot of gravity? And then right. I'm expected to answer in great detail what would happen <laughs> if the Earth had a lot of gravity. Yeah. Um, and he always, uh, it would always make him laugh because he would make me answer these absurd questions and he found that very funny. Yeah. So maybe they should give they him should a hire call. him basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, and then in the fall of 2021, we have a show that Kyle, you're probably the most hyped for oh my of God. everyone on the planet. And you're definitely going to be buying Disney plus that you can watch this. And that's a Hawkeye television show. All right. So my dislike for Jeremy Renner is well documented. All of my friends know all like, Everyone in the universe knows because this is the number one podcast uh, and everyone listens to it. Yes. Um, Everyone knows I don't like Jeremy Renner. Um, My friends sometimes in our group chat will just send me pictures of Jeremy Renner (laughs) or like it's like a YouTube video and I don't know what it is until I click on it. And it's Jeremy Renner singing a cover of a song and... I hate my friends. (laughs) I was going to say this because I didn't know if you knew about it. He has a new single. Like, he's putting out an album. It's really terrible. You should watch it. Of course it's terrible. It is awful. It's really bad. (laughs) It's Jeremy Renner. Of course it's terrible, Shay. (laughs) I have nothing against Jeremy Renner. It's just a really bad song. He is not good at singing. Uh... But it was pretty... I only watched like 30 seconds because I was like, okay, I get the gist. I don't want to watch the rest of this. But you should look up the music video because it's terrible. I can't. <laughs> uh, all right. And then in November uh, November 5th, 2021, sequel, Thor, Love and Thunder, which again, good very name. good title. Yep. Uh, Taiki Waititi, the director of um, Thor Ragnarok, is returning. What is interesting is Natalie Portman is back. And she will be playing a female Thor, which is fascinating. So well, that makes sense the, if they're going with this multiverse stuff. That is a great point. Because I'm sure that's what it is. she is so very closely connected to yes. like, Thor in this reality, quote unquote, that it makes sense in an alternate reality she could be Thor. I'm sure that is what it is. That's a great point. Because my, my, my point was, in Thor The Dark World, which is the last one she was in, she gets like captured in the Aether, which is what the red power stone... Soul, the whatever the stone was, um, 
that's what the Aether, that's where that was, and that's how they kind of brought that one into it. And so she was, like, possessed or whatever. It was a bad movie. I don't remember a lot of the details. <laughs> but that was her last appearance. And so that that was going to be my answer was, oh, something related to that gave, oh, that like, be. made her worthy or whatever. But the multiverse explanation makes more sense. So, yeah. And then they have three untitled projects still. So February 18th, 2022, May 6th, 2022, July 29th, 2022, all untitled movies. They have said they are definitely working on sequels to Black Panther, Captain Marvel, and still working on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Not sure if those are the three movies that would slot in for those untitled ones or if those would get additional release dates. In particular, Guardians Volume 3, I have a hard time believing we're going to be waiting three more years for that movie. Right. Um, But it's possible. They also announced they're doing a Blade movie with Mahasher Ali who is an awesome actor, but they've said that like, Hey, this isn't actually part of the MCU canon. Like he's not going to be in the MCU, which is a bit disappointing, but I, that makes it pretty complicated. I want superheroes to to fight vampires. Yeah, that's exactly. That's what if there was a vampire superhero, but then they're saying vampires exist in the Marvel universe. Yeah. No, no, thank you. Um, they're good. It's good enough for metal gear solid. It's good enough for Marvel. One of the things about the multiverse is here is your avenue to introduce the X-Men. So my guess is that one or some or all of these movies will include something, teasers, characters like that. That's how they're going to bring them in. They could do Fantastic Four that way as well. I'm not sure that that's as necessary because they're just super-powered people. They can introduce them however they want. But the idea of mutants doesn't exist in the MCU. So that kind of needs to be a sort of a extraterrestrial kind of thing that they could do through the multiverse and that's kind of all the news so the marvel stuff like i i am pretty burnt out on marvel movies i really want to see the new spider-man because i loved spider-man homecoming i really like tom holland i i have not been able to go see it because i'm a dad which makes it difficult to like go to a movie by myself right but i do really want to see that all of these movies and television shows and stuff like i'm not I'm not like, oh shit, I want this. The most exception would be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, just because it sounds really cool. Um, but like introducing the Eternals, introducing Shang-Chi, a bunch of spin-off television shows, like nothing about it's really like really hitting me super hard. Yeah. So I don't know. I just kind of need a bit of a break. Which they to be fair, they are giving us. Like the next Marvel thing is a year from now. So we are gonna get a break. Uh which is probably enough time for me to marathon all of the Marvel movies up to this point. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of where I'm coming from. I know you haven't even seen all the stuff that exists currently. No. Is there anything in there that like you're interested in or uh, Dr. Strange, the Hawkeye show, but I like Dr. Strange. Yeah. I, I, it's more that I just really like Benedict Cumberbatch. Sure. Yeah. I liked that first one. Cause it felt very different from all the other Marvel stuff, like dealing with the magic the kind of visual creativity that they were able to explore with all the magic stuff that it was kind of a breath of fresh air as a differentiation from a bunch of buff white dudes punching each other. You know what I mean? Right. But at, that, that at, at that time it was really, it was a really well-timed release. Yeah. That movie. Yeah. It was fun. All right. So let's do a quick hate of the week. And then we got some emails. Hate of the week. So this is a short one. I mostly just want to, like, say it out loud to, like, hold myself accountable a little bit. I am getting frustrated at myself for not spending as much time as I should trying to grow the podcast. 
And I felt that a little bit, or like more so after last episode, because downloads were down a little bit. And they've been down a little bit since I launched the YouTube channel. Well, they're called um, downloads which, for a reason, Shay. Well, sure. But uh, I should also plug, hey, you can listen to the episodes on YouTube now. They go up at the same time as the podcast. But some people, I'm sure, listen to them on YouTube now and therefore don't download. So a, little, a, a small downtick would make sense. But like our downloads from the last episode were lower than they've been in like a year. So like that bummed me out, okay. obviously. And it just made me feel like like I'm just I'm not doing enough to try to grow the audience. And from a certain level, a lot of it's luck or like placement on iTunes, which never happened for us, unfortunately, like getting in the like new new and noteworthy section when it first launches. But I don't know. It's just like a frustration at myself for not doing more research to figure out like finding additional ways of trying to get a new audience. Cause I, I like I'm super thankful for how engaged a lot of people that listen to the podcast are, which is awesome. Um, But, like, I want more people to listen to it. I I think that it's a high-quality thing. I think that you and I, I think that we have good chemistry. I think that the stuff we talk about is relevant. I think that we have good insights. Like, I think it's a high-quality podcast. And the feedback we get from people is generally positive. So, I like, I want to try to grow it. And I'm not doing enough on myself to try to broaden that. So, I would say, like... My only ask or like curiosity is if you are listening to this podcast and you listen to a lot of podcasts, like have you noticed anything in your other podcasts that have that are very popular or like do you have any ideas for me? Like I'm not trying to advocate responsibility or like, hey, listeners, help me grow the podcast by liking and sharing. You know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not that desperate, but maybe just to get my creative juices flowing to think a little bit more outside of the box on what I can do to to grow this because I love doing it. And I have fallen off really hard writing on my website because of the podcast, which tells me I enjoy the podcast more than I do the writing. Right. So I would like to, I would like to continue doing this and not, I'm not saying that we're going to quit, but I would like to do it knowing that it's growing. We went through a period of, of pretty good growth a couple of months ago. We're like, we were, we were getting a couple of new listeners. Like I would notice like every episode, like, Oh I have a download on all of our old episodes, which is cool because that's like a a new person discovered it and they like it enough to listen to all the old shit too, Uh, which I probably wouldn't do if I was a listener, but thank you for doing that. And then that just hasn't happened as much the past month or two. So I don't know. I don't know what's happening with it. If like maybe my show titles are not as attention grabbing as they have been in the past. I don't know the reason just hasn't been growing as steadily as it had been before. I want it to continue because I like doing it. Yeah, I'm like I'm also um, I'm also really disappointed with the amount of work that you put into the pod. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> you are the worst. <laughs> I just I, I I sit down at my computer 20 minutes before we record. I type a couple things into the document i look through what you put and then i just do the thing i like my input is so minimal and you're I, not even sh- like because you're not on social media like no. you're not even sharing it you are useless I, to me. I'm so useless one of the Ugh. things that i thought about that i actually think would be good for the podcast and i almost hesitate to even bring it up because i don't want to open a can of worms but i feel like we i feel like we would benefit from a third co-host I just think that it being just the two of us limits, one, the amount of discussion we can get into because it's only two perspectives. Yeah. And also, like, if I am playing a game that you are not playing, that limits what we can talk about. But with right. a third person, 
there's more likelihood that we are both playing or watching similar things. It just, I think, opens up more perspectives. I also think that while you and I are definitely different in a lot of ways and our, like, personalities and our, like, approaches and, and, you know, opinions on things, we are very similar in a lot of ways, too. And I think that adding a third person, and it wouldn't be a sibling because we don't have another one, would be True. good just because it's a very different perspective. So I will qualify and say this is not an open call. No. <laughs> don't send me a submission to be a, another podcast. Like... It would have to be a perfect circumstance of someone we both know and we've done stuff with in the past and know that it would gel well right. for the long term and that they would be committed to doing it for the long term. Because I'm not like... Nothing springs to mind. Like, nobody yes, springs exactly. to mind. Like, and that's like why that. we haven't done it is because we don't have a person that would be a perfect fit for that. Right. So, I, I, like, and I have had multiple people reach out and say, hey, I would love to join Same. you guys. Yeah. And... Love that. Love that people are interested in it. And I'm not saying no, that we would never do like a guest host for an episode, but like committing to adding a third co-host without knowing if it's going to work is a really good way of alienating your audience. Right. And like screwing it up, you know, um, because some people are super engaged, which is great, and other people are a little more fickle, a little more casual, and that's totally fine too. I'm not placing any like judgment on that or saying that like I like my hardcore listeners more than I like my casual listeners because anyone that listens to the podcast, I appreciate. But if someone listens to an episode where we we have a guest host that if our chemistry is off that episode, if they don't like what that person brings to the table, they may say, like, all right, well, I'm not going to come back to this. Or, God forbid, a new listener listens to that one for the first time, and they say, oh, I don't like this chemistry. Right. I'm not going to listen to the other. Like, there are way, there are a lot of ways it could go wrong. Yeah. So, like I said, almost didn't want to ever talk about that because I didn't want to, like, have a bunch of people again reach out to me. But hopefully, like, contextually that makes sense to folks. I do think that a, in a perfect world, if we had the perfect person... I would love to add a third co-host. Three's company, We just don't man. have that person right now. So, yeah. Because I've even thought of, like, what if Kelly joined us or what if Kara joined us? But they're so different in a lot of ways that... Well, yeah, and, like, well... It would they don't value the same much. things that you and I do, so, like, they're not going to be able to contribute to a lot of the same discussions, which there's yes. value in having new discussions, but, like, we also would want someone who can contribute to our existing types of discussions. Totally. Yeah. So that's that. It's mostly just a frustration. I need to work harder on the podcast, and I'm getting annoyed at myself for not doing that. So want to like put it out into the world to hopefully keep myself a little bit more uh, – put some pressure on myself to say, like, hey, every, other people know I feel this way, so now I need to do something more about it. <laughs> right. So that's that. <laughs> so moving on. Oh, real quick before this we was, get to emails. Yes. I know go, this go podcast is going to run long, but – while we were talking earlier, I looked down at my hands, and I just realized, and, like, my arms and stuff, and just, like, my skin, like, it's not smoothing out like it used to. Like, I'm getting, like, a lot of the crinkle wrinkles that stay for longer, and just, I look mm -hmm. down at my hands, and I feel like I'm getting old. You ever have that moment where, like, you look down at your hands, you're like, my hands look a lot older. Not specifically hands. It's For me, it's more so, like, I get random pains oh. all the time. Oh, for sure. Like, that I didn't used to get. Yeah. And that's just my body. Like, I mean, I'm 31. Like, I'm getting to the point where, like, 
shit just is shit's gonna break <laughs> you know <laughs> like i i borrowed my father-in-law's lawnmower the other day and uh kelly's gonna go return it and so i loaded it into her trunk and like i lifted it up and when i put it in the trunk i had this like really sharp pain like in my like upper back that i had like pinched a nerve yeah. or pulled something I get that a lot. like i just like i mean the lawnmower is heavy but it's not that heavy and it's just because I'm fucking old and out of shape. And I was, it just was one of those, I was like, oh, God, great. Now I'm going to have pain in my shoulder for the next week. Like, hooray. So, yes, you, that happens to me all the if time. If you ever look down at your hands and feel old, right in. Sound off in the comments <laughs> of the YouTube video. Tell us how old you feel. Uh, so, yeah. See, I'm doing work. Engagement, Shay. That's what it's all about. Right, engagement. No, and that, again, that is something I love. The, the, we have several people that listen to the podcast that are super engaged. Steve writes in a lot. Our buddy Rod, who left a comment on YouTube, he, he writes in a lot. Uh, Aaron writes in a lot. Uh, I, we have a user who or a listener from Atlanta that I don't know, whose name is Adam, who's written in, in a couple of emails. He might not listen to the podcast anymore because we haven't heard from him in a, in a while. <laughs> but Adam, if you're still there, let us know. Um, so, yeah. So, speaking of Rod. Left a comment on uh, the YouTube video of our previous upload. This is more of a correction, I guess you could say. So Rod said um, that he loves... Because I I was talking about watching Harry Potter. Oh, I wish I forgot to mention. I watched Prisoner of Azkaban uh, yesterday with Penny. That movie is delightfully weird. It is so different from all the other Harry Potter movies. It is is very... It's so stupid, but in a fun way. Well, they had a new director then, right? Yes, Alfonso Cuaron. Yeah. The first two movies were Christopher Columbus, then Alfonso Cuaron, then a dude who fucked up royally with Goblet of Fire, and then I think David Yates directed five, six, and both of the seven. Okay. Seven and eight, right? I think I think that's how the process went. But anyway, Rod wrote in, because I was complaining a little bit about Chamber of Secrets and said that it was one of my least favorite movies because it was also my least favorite book. Rod saying that he's like, hey, I grew up on Chamber of Secrets. I love that movie. So I just wanted to take a quick clarification. I like all of the Harry Potter movies. The fourth one is the worst. It It is my favorite of the books. And therefore, I was most disappointed with like... Because it is, I think, the second longest book or maybe the third longest book. And it is the shortest movie. So that is obvious. They cut out tons of shit from that movie, which is mostly why I found it disappointing. But I still love it. I'm going to watch it. I guess not next weekend because you and dad are visiting, but the weekend after when I have Penny, I'm going to watch Goblet of Fire and I'm really excited about it. So I want to clarify that I like all of the Harry Potter movies, but some of them I have to like the least. That's how these things work. So Rod, don't take it personally. Not trying to shit on Chamber of Secrets. It's just my second least favorite of of the Harry Potter movies, all of which I love. If you want to read more about how I feel about the Harry Potter movies and books, I have rankings for all of them on com. There. I'm 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 pitching stuff. Good. Plug. Check out my website. Uh also, he left a comment suggesting cuz we also talked about hey, what are video games that would make good television shows, etc. He said he would love to see a Fallout television miniseries in the vein of a uh existing YouTube series called uh Nuka Break, which I saw the original little video that I think Rocket Jump did or someone did. That was just like a little vignette of a fight of two characters in um, Fallout Universe. But I guess they made like a big YouTube series, which I meant to check out and I wasn't able to. Because it's like an actual like long miniseries. Okay. Um, but it's just like a bunch of random stories and stuff that take place in the Fallout yeah, Universe. I have which not seen I know that. I need to watch that pe- now. People, people really like it. The production value is fairly high for being a fan-made thing. Um, 
So yeah, certainly Fallout would make for a really good television show in sort of an anthology kind of a thing, just because it's such a broad universe. You can tell a lot of one-off stories in that universe. So good idea, Rod. And we got an email from Steve. Steve writes, Shane Kyle, with Mario Maker 2 now out for a bit, the creative juices have been flowing this summer. What are some video game creative projects that Kyle or yourself have created that you are still proud of to this day? Did you work on any together that you are still proud of? This can include games such as Little Big Planet, Minecraft, RPG Maker, Mario Maker, etc. Thanks for the content, Steve in DC. Um, so yeah, he also has a PS, but we'll address that later. I do want to say a quick thing. We talked about Mario Maker 2 last episode. Kyle, you plugged your creator ID. Yeah. Listeners, if you have a creator ID, like Steve, if you're making levels in Mario Maker 2, send in your creator ID. We'll share it on the podcast so other people can check out your levels. Certainly want to do that. I love seeing different creative ways that people are doing stuff. So send those in. Yeah. Specific to the question about like, have we made stuff? I guess you and I together, we've played a lot of Minecraft together. We had, when we were both doing YouTube channel stuff, we started a world that we wanted to make this underground dwarven city. Uh, which, build bros. Build bros. Rodrigator knows. Rodrigator yes, was a Rod- subscriber <laughs> of mine. Okay, speaking, all right. I, ju- I do just want to say, Rod, since now that yes. I know you're listening, um, because you're not on social media. Right. Rod engages on Twitter with me a lot. Right. He likes the tweets about the podcast. You're the one. You abandoned Rod. <laughs> Don't think that Rod abandoned us. First, Okay, first off, I'm sorry I abandoned you. Second off, I love you deeply, and I miss you. And that picture that you drew of me in a Fallout, Fallout Boy, not Fallout Boy, Fallout Vault Boy <laughs> style, uh, yep. I still use that as profile pictures on most of, if not all of my things. Because it's one yeah. of my favorite things anybody has ever made me, and it's awesome. Um, also, yeah, build bros. So build I've bros. been going back through and watching all of my old YouTube stuff uh, because I like yeah. to punish myself. Um, right. And well, because currently it's all unlisted um, because I have yes. students who could come across it, and I don't want them to because some of it's inappropriate. Um, so it's all unlisted. So unfortunately, you can't like go watch it unless I were, like, were to like send you a link or something. But I've been going back and rewatching it. I did rewatch Build Bros and like that entrance tunnel and the bridge that we made was awesome. And I'm trying to remember yeah, what happened to where we stopped. I think something happened to the world file. This, yeah, the world got deleted. Yeah, and we didn't have a backup. Yeah, so we, that that ended up being the end. I think we only did three episodes. Yeah, and I think I did a solo episode, which was I made a tree. It's like a 40 minute video because <laughs> one of the things that I loved about B Double O. Was he? He talked a lot about his process. Yeah, and he would like show the process. his decision making. But he did a lot of fast forwarding, a lot of like montaging, which I think I did a little bit of in that video too. Okay. But the whole goal was I want to make this giant tree and like make it really intricate, and I want to talk about my placement. And I'm, I'm sure I talked about and rambled about random shit because I always do. But yeah, and I know like the first episode we did the entrance. And then we also did the big bridge over this like yeah, big cavern with like that the I thought was really hanging awesome. in the dark and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. it was really cool. Uh, and I know you've had a lot of popular series and videos. That I think that series is my most watched stuff. Okay, like I think I because I mean my channel never got as big as yours because you had you had one Minecraft Let's Play you did that went uh, Slender and that, Ender has like sixty thousand yes. views on it. The first episode right. does. It's something ridiculous. I'm trying to find what playlist because I want to see what it is. Oh, maybe it's is it in random Minecraft series? I'm trying to look in my like playlists because you and I did a lot of, of like server is. let's play stuff. Sorry, this is kind of devolving into something not yeah, related man. to the 
email, but... Build bros. Build bros. Yeah, I have almost 5,000 views on that video. Wow. It's my most my most watched video. Um, nice. Fucking build bros. Hell yeah. Build bros. I loved my intro for that series. It's just like so fun, jaunty music, and I build yeah. the words build bros out of gold blocks. And it's just fun <laughs> and nice. Fun stuff. So definitely that, it, it was a bummer that it quit, or that it the, the server got crashed yeah. or whatever, and we lost everything. Because that was a lot of fun, and I thought we were doing really cool build stuff in it. There's been a bunch of Minecraft projects. I'm not as big on creating things, to be honest. I more enjoy playing other people's creations. But you, I know, like, you used to be hardcore into RPG Maker, too. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> one of my friends and I, we've made several RPGs in RPG Maker mm-hmm. 3 on the PlayStation 2. Um, that, yeah, we spent a lot of time in, in those games. Because like we uh, like we would have like a half an hour long cutscene that we storyboarded uh, with their yeah. like little text thing, and we would type it in with like we plugged in the USB uh, keyboard to our PlayStation Two so we could type faster and all yeah. this stuff. I remember staying up late nights building stuff with him, and then like Cody and I like building all of our crazy Minecraft stuff. Like for a while, Cody had a Potato Craft server because his Minecraft name was Ambient Potato. So we had a potato craft server that a bunch of people were on, like stuff, like people that were like subscribers of mine or subscribers of his on YouTube could like play with us on the server. And we've just built some really awesome stuff. Like there's a whole town where people left shops. We had this mini game called Snowball Fight that we built this whole icy arena that looked really awesome. Um, Yeah, there was a lot of like really great builds. And then just like semi-recently when I got Minecraft Realms and Cody and I were on there, we were starting to build a city and like... I'm like 10% done with the city, but what I have, I really like, and I think it looks really good, but I don't know. I like, I, I very much enjoy building in Minecraft, especially, um, I feel like I tried to make a couple levels in like little big planet. The first one, I don't, I, I, I remember like one of the things I will always remember the level, the community level I played in, um, the first little big planet was a dead space inspired level. With, like, monsters crashing through the wall, and, like, you look like a little dead space dude in the suit. And it was really, really cool. Uh, and it, like, really blew me away. And it was like, what? Like, this is the kind of stuff you can create in Little Big Planet. This is amazing. And I just never really got there myself. Just, I never got familiar enough with the tools. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, my go, if I'm gonna make something creative, my go to is usually just Minecraft. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I've made so much crap over the years in that game stuff that i'm proud of and stuff that looks like hot garbage yeah <laughs> you're only half yeah. listening because you're probably watching your build bros episode i'm not watching it oh. i'm looking actually i'm looking, <laughs> looking actually through tree. old comments because i know like rod had commented on some of these old videos and okay. stuff so i was just looking at it but i, I was listening give me some credit okay. um so yeah i like i said i don't build a ton of stuff that's just not i always find myself I get stuck in my head with ideas and then I'm, I'm not as able to execute on them. Like as I want. Okay. My ideas are always bigger than what I can execute. I guess I should say. Yeah. And especially in Minecraft, because it's so open-ended, like there are so many things that you can build. I'm just not, I lose myself. I'm trying to think of like what else in Minecraft I built. I know we did a series. I'm not going to remember what it is. Attack of the B team. Yeah, with that beat up oh, yeah, engineer. Yeah, man, I made, made the haunted mansion and like the secret and underground I, I, laboratory. I, 
I built a couple of things. Forgot I'm trying that. to think. Um, that haunted mansion looked really good from the outside. We just I mean, yeah, really sorcerers. A sorcerer's Tower I started yeah. to construct, and I think that was the last episode I uploaded of that series because I, again, just got overwhelmed and had too many things to do, so I just kind of quit. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not as much of a, like, creator as I am a, a player of other people's creations. So, Steve also says, P.S., I found a show that lasts for six seasons that has a good ending. FX is The Americans. I highly recommend it and would love to know your thoughts on it if you've seen it. So, this is in relation to, I think, a couple episodes ago... Yeah, it was when we were talking about Game of Thrones. I kind of made a comment of, like, shows that go past five seasons usually fail okay. in those last yeah, yeah, seasons yeah. because they've run out of creative ideas. So, perfect example. I have not seen The Americans. I know people are obsessed with that show and think it has a really great ending. So, example of a show that did go beyond five seasons that did it successfully. I've always intended to watch it and just have never gotten It's one of those shows that, like, I just never got around to. Um, shoot, there was another one. I don't remember what network it was on. Maybe Showtime. That was about... It had the the main dude from Band of Brothers, the redheaded guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like a soldier, and he come, and it's like a big mystery of like, is he actually a bad guy? Damn, I don't remember what, that's, what that show was called. But I watched the first couple episodes and then fell off. It's one of the shows that's like The Americans, where it's a very realistic drama that like I needed to be in the right mood for in order to get invested, and I just have never found myself um, willing to like invest that amount of time to it okay so as always rod and steve thank you for your emails and your comments um if you other folks want to write in give us feedback ask a question you can send us an email to info at shades everything.com you can tweet at me at shay underscore castle you can like comment and message on our facebook page slash shay hates everything you can subscribe to our youtube channel called shay hates everything you can leave us a review on itunes Sure, there are other ways that you can connect that I'm not thinking of, but that's a lot. So do those things. If you don't want to be lazy, come on, guys. Like, let's not be lazy, here. <laughs> <laughs> listeners of the podcast. Do our work for us. <laughs> the mo- hey, man, if you write us emails, leave us comments. That's just more shit for us to talk about, isn't that what we're all looking for? More amazing content from the Shades Everything podcast. That is synergy. There you go. Bring it all together. So let's end with something that we don't hate. This is a weird one. I was struggling, honestly, struggling to find one that I didn't hate this morning. um, Just because I have a lot of yard work upcoming today. And then I go back to work tomorrow. And so it's hard to like, yay, here's the thing I love. But the thing I don't hate is Publix Chunky Chicken Salad. All right. It's delicious. That sounds good. I did not used to like chicken salad because I don't like mayonnaise. Oh. But their Publix Chunky Chicken Salad is delicious. On a croissant, on just like a slice of honey wheat. Any whatever way you want to eat it with a spoon, yeah. delish. Yeah, chicken salad is one of my all-time favorite foods. Um, but it has to be the right chicken salad. Oh, I don't like it really smooth. I like it. Chunky oh yeah, for sure. With carrots yeah. and stuff you in a bunch it. Of stuff yeah. in it. Um, yes. I don't hate my friend's pig roast, which was this weekend. He stays that up. Sounds sexual. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> he <laughs> he uh, he stays up all night. Like he invites like his whole neighborhood and then all of his friends, and we all go over there. And he's, he stays up the whole night tending the pig over the over the fire, over the pit. And then uh, the next day, he takes the entire pig apart, like just fills these bins with pulled pork. Uh, and then he mm. makes his own barbecue sauce. And everyone else Yum. like brings like potato salad, pasta salad, veggie tray, fruit tray, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then it's a bunch of soda and drinks. And a couple of his friends brew their own beer, so they bring that. 
stuff like that. Yeah. It's always a big thing. They do it every year. That was this weekend, and that was awesome. We had I had a that amazing pulled pork sandwich with some really great sweet barbecue sauce that he made, and it was fantastic. That sounds better than pre-packaged Publix brand chunky chicken salad. But both <laughs> as good. delicious as but it both is. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of the Shades Everything Podcast, episode fifty-five. Thanks everybody for listening and Steve and Rod for writing in. Don't forget about and we'll don't see forget you guys to write in, in about your old people hands. Yeah, that too. I gotta know. Or just feel just right, just write in about how you feel old and shitty. Let's all just commiserate <laughs> together on how life is just the absolute she worst. Hits everything episode every day, old and shitty. Every day is worse than the previous day. <laughs> but hey, the good news is eventually we die. <laughs> Tell me about and it. And let's end on that note. <laughs> so thanks guys for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Peace out.